deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. A lock door it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world is opened up as has the griffin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, ZC. And I'm Liz. And Liz. I woke up this morning and I had I had a little crisis. I was like, "Oh my god, how how has it been a week already since we last recorded? How how has time moved this this fast?" <laughs> um and the answer was it didn't. Um I just forgot that we recorded on Tuesday earlier this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's only been been a few days now. It's Rapid been a few fire days. twilight. Rapid Fire Twilight, a lot of Twilight in my life this week. Honestly, I am very okay with that. I'm having a blast reading this book. Um, That's great. You you have been uh, mixing in a little bit of other fiction. Some other reading. Some, yeah, because I was really worried (laughs) about, um, you know, reading Twilight. It's a little lowbrow, you know, (laughs) that sort of thing. Uh, like I gotta, I gotta broaden my horizons. I gotta remember mm-hmm. what real literature um, is like. So I am, <laughs> I am ninety five percent of the way through the second Maximum Ride novel after completing <laughs> the first one. Oh, this is so delightful! I've been really enjoying your updates on Maximum Ride, and I, I, I figured we should we, let, let's 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 get into it on the pod. Let's let's please, clear a little space please. here. So what is you you read you've read pretty much the first two books in the series now. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, right I'm right at the climax <laughs> of the second book for sure. <laughs> um what what has that experience been like? Uh this is a this is a very different uh although parallel. This was being released around the same time as Twilight. It was. It was. Um it's been a strange experience. I feel like um I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to lose um all credibility when t- talking about books forever <laughs> because I am having a blast reading Maximum Ride. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, I mean, I, I got to say from from what what I have seen and, and like read and, and what you've been talking about with Maximum Right, it really does seem like it is like I mean, like it is scientifically engineered to feel like a, a blast, right? Like this is this is like the McDonald's hamburger of of uh, 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 uh of YA fiction. It's like, yeah, this is just hitting. This there oh, there's they've yeah. got Yep. They put enough salt in here that just I my brain says this tastes good, you know. It is the it is the TV of books. It's the action movie of books. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm finding it uh it's like feeling nostalgia for something that you've never read before is kind mm. of my experience of it. You know, <laughs> I read a lot of James Patterson books when I was like 12 because they were yeah. you know what what I had around at home. So that was, yeah. uh, so it's like, I've read it before and it's so, it's so formulaic, right? Cause he, mm-hmm. he writes, you know, freaking <laughs> 10 books a year or whatever it yeah. is. Um, so it's down to a science and this is just that, but in, in YA form and it, it fully goes by like rule of cool only. I would have been mm-hmm. nuts for this series if I had read it as a teenager. Yeah, Nuts. that's always that's always a fun feeling when you see something where it's like maybe this doesn't appeal to me 
now directly, mm-hmm. but I can, I see this and I go like, oh, I can think of so many things I read at this age that did this for me. And also if I had, if I was still that age now, I would be going bananas. For It's like seeing yourself in the mirror almost. It's like, yeah, this, oop, that's this, this would have been me. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. I'm kind of bummed that I didn't <laughs> read it at the time. Um, but I'm glad to now. Uh, I, the, the kind of updates that I get to give to you about the books are like, the werewolves can fly now, or they got a talking dog, or they met the president. Everything happens so much in these books. <laughs> um, my favorite detail that you've shared is the chapter length. <laughs> the James Patterson <laughs> special. <laughs> I, it's been so long since I've read a James Patterson like legal thriller mm-hmm. that I I don't remember if like that's how all of his stuff is. But like you sent a photo to me of two pa- like a two page spread and each one was its own chapter. <laughs> Wait, let me let me look at so there's chapters and they they typically don't run longer than two pages. I think three pages mm-hmm. is probably the longest they get. Um, so I am on. Uh, page 277, which is chapter 98, um, and I'm in part three, or part four, because there's parts as well. Yeah, oh my god. It's comical. It is comical. Like, so I listened to the audiobook of the first one, um, Mm -hmm. and I just sort of listened to it at work, because I was just like, you know, I don't need to pay that much attention to it to understand what's going on. (laughs) Um, but- but serendipity occurred to me because those, like, you know, the neighborhood library boxes. Yeah, <laughs> the I, little that, libraries. This is not a joke. I, like, walked past past it as I had, like, 10% left of the first one left, and it had the second one in it. So I have a physical copy from fate. The, the, it is fate from the neighborhood library. <laughs> fate intervened and was like, here you go. <laughs> I was like, no way, it's the second one. There's like ten of them. <laughs> so I do have the third one I, on order, by the way. I uh, of course, yeah. It sounds it sounds like this is like a fucking ripper series. Like you're <laughs> you're tearing through it. Um, do you think you'll continue? Because I I the thir- first three are the ones that like the the real real maximum ride heads uh, mm-hmm. really like. Um do you think you'll go beyond that, or do you think you'll stick with the, just the trilogy? I guess I'll have to find out, right? Like, mm. how how satisfying the conclusion feels, or if it feels like it's open to more. Because I think what it was, it was, like, supposed to be the trilogy, and mm-hmm. then I don't know if they were successful enough that they were just like, oh, let's crank out some more of these. So yeah. I'll have to, to uh, feel it out as I go. Yeah. I feel like it's yeah. one of those things where I might pick up big, book four and start reading it, realize that it shouldn't exist and then maybe mm-hmm. stop is probably probably what it looks like <laughs> but who knows i could read the manga i could read the marvel comics i could watch the film produced by jenna marbles i i would i would like to propose that at some point we watch the film produced by jenna marbles yeah. i would love to see what the fuck it that's looks all about. so bad i watched the it, trailer and it looks like absolute dog shit it looks fake like it, it really looks weird um <laughs> and I, it, like as it as it should i i i can't wait to but but i i, I would love to watch that i think that would be really fun and mm-hmm. just it, an artifact from 
like the very tail end of like making every YA franchise into a multimedia thing, you know? Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I would love to check that out. That's delightful. It's I'm I'm glad you're having I'm glad you're having like actual uh seemingly miraculous experiences surrounding this uh the little <laughs> library providing for you in your time of need um <laughs> you know see- how uh james patterson said that thing the other week where he's like there's like a new kind of discrimination against white male writers <laughs> yeah also to be clear that wasn't all he he had he did like a, a like gdq's going on right now uh he did like a speed run of like everything he could possibly say to get yell that like <laughs> really impressive honestly yeah, yeah he did um i feel like uh we like in starting doing twilight it's like we didn't hit on the ley line for twilight news we accidentally mm-hmm. like went a bit off course and hit the maximum ride <laughs> ley line that's true because i it was one of the earlier episodes of the twilight uh podcast uh, pivot that we f- like stumbled into the maximum ride fandom stuff right like <laughs> right yeah that was pretty early on yeah not much not much twilight news out there i've you know i've got the alert set up but like if if there is any uh new news it's like you know a- another another outlet has run an op-ed about like you know reminiscing on twilight which is fine but you know that's not that's not the news that i crave right no um, I got really excited because I got got an update from, like, TMZ in my Google Alerts. It was like, Stephanie Meyer uh, 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 dunks on E.L. James. And I was like, oh, finally, some some red meat here. I I can't wait to see what they're arguing about in 2022. Right. Um, But unfortunately, it was just them republishing a thing from, like... 2015 or whatever the the 50 shades movie came out and i was like oh damn it i was really hoping that this was gonna (laughs) this was gonna like suddenly flare back up for no reason oh they must have ran that story because of um the like lead actress in 50 shades said that stuff about the the movie being chaos or whatever and el james is a nightmare to work with yeah, Dakota Fanning was 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 it Dakota Fanning? Dakota no, Johnson? No, Dakota something else. Yeah, Dakota Johnson. Yeah, uh, she like was like, oh yeah, it was awful working with the author. It was it's a really funny interview. Like everyone on that set was great, except there there was one demon that we had to f- contend with. I, it's, it's so powerful. That's just like one of those things that you don't do, right? Like you don't come out and say that stuff, especially, I mean, yeah. maybe you do, you know, 20 years later, but so recent. It's very juicy. <laughs> it's very, I, I love it's to see that. Good. It's very good. Was that, <sighs> let me look, was the, uh, that was, yeah, there was the, Dakota Johnson just has a habit of doing this. <laughs> Because it was Dakota Johnson that, like, had that insane, awkward moment on Ellen that prompted the entire, like, spill the beans thing about Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, uh, I had her no show. idea. Yeah, it was it was the one where, like, Ellen DeGeneres, like, asked her a, a question on the show, like, oh, you didn't invite me to your birthday party. And Dakota Johnson was just like, uh, actually, yes, I did. And oh, my God. <laughs> Good for uh, her. Which is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I could have never guessed E.L. James was a nightmare to work with. <laughs> yeah, that's the part that makes it funny is that it's like, 
it's not news. I think everyone who is close, even you know, even Fifty Shades fans, I think have a contentious relationship with E.L. James um, because you know that's where all of the the fanfiction.net drama spun out of, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, 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 like that that behavior being documented. But uh, uh, having an actor bring it up again uh, in a it was it was like an L or. Vogue. It was like a pretty big like entertainment. Maybe Vanity like, Fair or something like Vanity that. Vanity Fair. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's just like digging that up again and saying something that like everyone already probably could have guessed, but but didn't have you know direct confirmation from anyone on the set. It's it's so good. This is the kind of thing that you normally just get as like a blind item. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I, I also liked her. <laughs> I can't remember what she called it exactly. She wanted to do it because it was a big sexual movie, which is like the best way to describe Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> oh, it's I wanted to do. There was a thing about how like, oh, I'm a very sexual person, so I was very excited to do the nude scenes or whatever, right? Like just, just very a lot of great, great lines in this interview. Yeah, um, yeah. And and yeah, so it's it's you're right. We're getting all this news around twilight and like the ya space you know we've got 50 shades news we've got uh, uh, a maximum ride james patterson in the news but but stephanie meyer uh so far uh seems to have avoided uh, uh stepping onto the ley line which you know smart you know good for her but uh i would i would love some new twilight news at some point yeah, yeah. I think it I feel like Twilight is in this spot where people must be nostalgic for it now. Mm-hmm. I think it's the perfect time for a Twilight revival. Yeah, I mean like it, it seems like Stephanie Meyer has kind of a complicated relationship with Twilight because in every more recent interview that you you see with her They'll, they'll, like, inevitably ask, like, are you going to return to Twilight after Midnight Sun's out? And every time that question gets brought up, she gives some variation on, like, you know, I love Twilight, but whenever I finish one of these, I just feel relief. Um, I have so many other ideas and stories, blah, blah, blah. And, like, hmm. I... I, I definitely empathize with her there, um, and she should write whatever she wants to write, but at the same time, it's pretty clear that like the twilight stuff is the stuff that hits right like the host uh neither the book nor the movie was really well liked i keep forgetting that the chemist existed the like spy thing yeah is that Um, with the torturer is there a torturer character in that (laughs) it's the it's the guy it's like about the i can't remember if the if the love interest or the villain is like the torture guy who like knows how to make every poison cocktail and has invented new (laughs) ones for like special torture mechanics or whatever and and the protagonist lady has to team up with a handsome agent to either stop him or maybe it is him i can't remember which way around that is but that was going to get like a tv show on like amc or hbo or something and then that got canned at some point so like maybe you know maybe we'll see twilight again just out of you know you know, not 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 striking striking gold anywhere else. You know, you know I what think I mean? the chemist is a great candidate for TV because it's like, yeah, you know, we've got Dexter, we've got freaking Hannibal, and the chemist mm-hmm. I feel like fits into that realm, right? We've got the yeah, the sexy the... torture guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a real sicko, sicko love interest, right? 
Yeah, I, I'm surprised that the chemist didn't take off, because it sounds like the kind of thing that would, like, like again, you're totally right, that, that is just a TV show premise, like, <laughs> through and through. Um, but yeah, no, no, very quiet on on the Twilight front. We've got, we, we almost, the Twilight stuff was sort of happening while we were doing the Harry Potter stuff, and maybe we just sort of, like, missed it, because that was when Life and Death came out. Um, that was when Midnight Sun kind of got announced and we like talked about it on like the bonus episodes, but, uh, but, 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 but after that, now that we're in Twilight, uh, not much, just every now and then an, ac- an actor will say something fun, you know, Kristen Stewart and, and, uh, Robert Pattinson talk about Twilight a lot, but, uh, but I need, I need the juice. I need the, I need the meat. Well, you know how they're sort of like scraping the bottom of the barrel for Marvel movies now? Mm -hmm. Um, if a Maximum Ride Marvel movie is announced, because there are Marvel comics, then we will know we hit, we hit the Maximum Ride ley line. (laughs) (laughs) We have to do a hard pivot. Because the, the MCU, one of the, like, the one thing that I know about it, just as, like, a going concern, is that people keep on asking, like, okay, so when are the mutants showing up? Because, like, you bought Fox, Disney bought Fox, so, like, the rights to, like, X-Men and all that stuff, uh is, like, now potentially part of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also, like, the Inhumans show, which was, like, them trying to do the, you know, like, you know a, a, a different strain of mutant character, but, like, like, that failed really bad. And it would be really funny if instead of mutants finally showing up in the MCU, everyone was treated to the Maximum Ride story happening. I think that would be good. Yeah, I mean, the... Um... The books are sort of written from the... Well, they are written from the perspective of the main character, Max. Um, but it is also sort of the gimmick that she is, like, writing her story down. So it is a very strong voice, uh, like, of hers. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, she's sort of like a Buffy-style character, uh, is, okay. is how I would yeah. describe her. Um, and she's constantly, like, calling herself and the other ones mutant freaks. Like, they're... <laughs> <laughs> we're we're you know bird bird mutants and all this stuff so i think it would work really well yeah i i, I think there's room there let's let's get it now that, that would be the first mcu movie i'd be like really excited to go see in a long time just oh, like I'd be give there me, opening night midnight yeah, give me the maximum ride film absolutely <laughs> <laughs> bring back jenna marbles <laughs> give her a second crack at it she deserves it <laughs> oh I do have one piece of news for us. Oh, um, wonderful. Sort of an update uh, on, on something from last week. Um, so you know how I was talking about how Tom Felton, like, was asked a question about J.K. Rowling and then someone ran in and, like, shut it down before oh, he could no. answer? Yeah. Uh, uh, don't don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tom, no! Yeah, Tom, Tom, you are walking the knife's edge, but luckily this is still, this is still not not implicating him this is this is uh once again shockingly uh an indictment of wb and how they're handling this stuff uh warner brothers so this is from variety um warner brothers has stood by jk rowling after an external pr rep acting on behalf of the studio told sky news that the company is quote not connected to the author The studio issued the response following a spat between Sky News and the PR representative who blocked the outlet from asking Harry Potter actor Tom Felton about Rowling during a press event in London last week. 
Felton was taking part in an event around the expansion of the Warner Brothers Studio Tour London, the making of Harry Potter attraction. The actor who played Draco Malfoy in the Harry Potter film fran- franchise unveiled Professor Sprout's greenhouse. That's also just a really <laughs> great sentence. <laughs> um, a fan favorite set from the films, which will be a permanent addition to the attraction. In an interview, a Sky News reporter asked Felton about Rowling, uh, who was notably absent from Return to Hogwarts. Uh, you and the other stars of the film are still very much the face of the franchise, if you like. We speak to you and hear from you guys. JK obviously has sort of more of a backseat now. Is it strange for her not being around at things like this? At this point, an external executive uh, hired for the event who is not a Warner Brothers employee cut in and said, next question, please. When Sky News later asked a third-party PR firm why their journalist was interrupted, the outlet received an email response stating, quote, J.K. Rowling is not connected to Warner or Tom Felton. The team felt it was not relevant to the piece. So, like, this happened, like, a couple days ago. <laughs> and there was, like, this big freakout. Like, oh, my God, have they finally dropped J.K. Rowling? <laughs> um, uh, not so, of course. Uh, in a statement shared with Variety, Warner Brothers stood by its longstanding relationship with Rowling. Warner Brothers has enjoyed a creative, productive, and fulfilling partnership with J.K. Rowling for the past 20 years. She is one of the world's most accomplished storytellers, and we are proud to be the studio to bring her vision, characters, and stories to life now and for decades to come. On Monday, a statement was issued by a third-party media agency that appeared contrary to this view. The statement was wholly wrong, and Warner Brothers Studio Tour London regrets it happened as part of a media event that day. I love that they so, can't even have a media event like unveiling Professor Sprout's greenhouse without <laughs> articles right. like this. Yeah, so... That's that my silver kind of, lining. <laughs> that was sort of my takeaway, too. Is it like, okay, so you had to, you know, like, like, like cast the blame on this third-party PR person or whatever, while also saying, but we, you know, we do love her, and we're also keep, we're going to keep working with her. So, like, enjoy writing these statements, like, once a week, I guess, is all is all I can say. Like, <laughs> Most accomplished Ugh. storyteller. The most accomplished storyteller. And we are proud to be the studio to bring her vision, characters, and stories to life. Did there's JK a, write there's this? A ta- there's a talking dog in Maximum Ride. They meet the president. <laughs> fuck, they're, yes. They're going See, to Florida. That's... I think they're going to go to Disney World. Oh, Fuck. I wonder if it'll be like Disney World for real, or whether it'll be like a fake, like 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 Delsneyland or something. You know, like I, it has said Disneyland. Ooh, it's funny the things okay. like the things that are made up. Like there's like a made up um, like music duo because they go and see a concert at Central Park. Um, but then there's weirdly some branded binoculars, like a real brand, um, mm. and uh, they're going to Disney World. Um, there's a uh, joke about the Da Vinci Code in there. So okay, if we yeah. want to talk about accomplished storytellers, yeah, now we're talking Dan Brown, the God. <laughs> That's fucking right. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> So, yeah, so so Warner Brothers, I mean, conflicting messages, right? Because the first one said uh, it is not connected. Joe is not connected with WB or Tom Felton, so it's not related. So I, I don't know who's 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 in charge over there. What's going on? What's the plan? It all seems very 
nebulous at the moment, but... Uh, I'm going to huh. need Emma Watson to have another skateboard date with Tom Felton and maybe maybe do some yeah. education to him. Yeah, maybe maybe they can hash things out. That'd be nice. Get some Instagram posts about how he's listening and learning, you know? That would be awesome. That would be great. We love that from the celebs. <laughs> We're just waiting for it. <laughs> we love when celebs listen and learn. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of listening and learning... Um, we've got quite a lot of Twilight to get to. Yeah, we um, do. A lot. So, how about we do our summaries for this week? <laughs> Sounds good. You go first. Okay. I'm gonna okay. do my summary around your summary. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh, Bella gets extremely nervous as Charlie pulls up and invites Jacob and Billy inside to watch sports. Worried that Billy is there to either purposefully or accidentally reveal to Charlie and Jacob what her real Saturday plans are and who she is dating, Bella makes herself busy in the kitchen making food for the guests. Jacob joins her and eventually gets her to admit that Edward was the one driving away when he and Billy pulled up to the Swan House. However, Jacob seems completely unbothered by this news. He alludes to the vampire werewolf story he told Bella on the beach, and notes that it's unlikely to come up again because last time Billy broached the subject with Charlie, it didn't go well. This get-together is something of a, quote, reunion, as Jacob puts it. This puts Bella mostly at ease, but she is still nervous around Billy for the rest of the evening. Once Jacob and Billy have left, Bella lies to Charlie about her plans again, saying that she's going to stay home while he goes fishing on Saturday. She also calls Jessica and tells a similar lie. As far as everyone in her life knows, Bella is just going to be running errands and working at home on Saturday. When Edward comes to pick her up, she explains this to him. He reacts poorly. However, things smooth over once they get to the forest Edward picked out. They both get to... they get back to playfully sniping at each other instead of actually arguing. Uh, Edward leads Bella off the trail to a secluded meadow on the hill, and the chapter ends just as the sun peeks out from behind the clouds. Wow. So not, yeah. um, not a whole lot of events. No. Kind of one Basically, night. two events, yeah. Two, two events, uh, a night, and then they go hiking. Um, mm -hmm. I had three chapters for your one chapter this week. My God, yeah, because Edward is out of the picture in my in, in my book this week, so basically anything goes, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to understand the timeline here, because mm. it's not making a whole lot of sense to me, because I start off with a school scene. Um, does Bella oh. meet Alice in yours, or was that from last chapter? Like, oh, last week? Yes, sorry. I I did kind of gloss over. There is a there is a school day, uh, because the next because when when Billy and and Char or when Billy and Jacob are hanging out with Charlie, um, it's Thursday night. Then there's a brief scene in my book where, uh, Bella and Edward have a conversation at lunch, and I actually highlighted. We'll we'll get to this in the chapter discussion, but mm -hmm. I highlighted a, a thing Bella says about how like. I honestly couldn't tell you what happened at school today. <laughs> like, just very brief. <laughs> well, um, before wow. the Saturday stuff. Yeah. That's incredible because that school day is the majority of my reading. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're basically, the only things that happen at school are uh, they talk at lunch, then there is uh, a brief encounter with Mike where he just continues to be Mike. And then Bella says, I couldn't tell you what happened for the rest of the day. <laughs> like, huh. that, that's, yeah. 
Well, in mine, uh, Edward picks Bella up from school and sort of continues to ask her questions. Most notably, they go over um, uh, more questions about Bella's mom, and Edward sort of makes some uh, observations about, like, the nature of, like, Bella's, like, caretaking aura that she has. And they Mm -hmm. also go over Bella's dating history. Um, However, like, his day is cut short, and he has to go home early. So I'm not sure if that part is in yours. Um, But it's because Alice has had a ghastly vision uh, and shares it with him. And her vision is that he will kill Bella in the meadow um, over Mm. the weekend. Um, so Alice is like, we have to go home right now and, f- and figure out what is going on. So that's basically my entire first chapter is that school day, Alice having this vision. Um, and then that moves on to the next chapter, which is called probabilities, um, where they hash out what the vision means. Um, and there's like a lot of just sort of vague prophecy. I mean, it's it's very prophecy, typical storytelling where it's like, oh, who knows what the future could hold? Um, and she kind of describes what looks like threads of the future. And then they hit like a like a tangled up knot and then she can't see past it. And And basically the... The thesis of all of that is that even though she has had a vision that Edward will kill Bella at the meadow, he has to go because there's no future like beyond that. Or rather, Mm. like the future is definitely bad if he doesn't go there. It's like his trial. He has to overcome this um, this thing. Um, Alice and Edward go hunting to try to like work on his odds, right? He's gonna he's gonna eat a mountain lion so that he doesn't eat Bella the next day. Um, then Edward has some introspection near the end of this chapter, and I get a very long flashback um, that is from his, like, right after he was turned into a vampire. It is sort of in two parts. One is his remembering sort of the way that Carlisle trained him to uh, not eat people and instead, like, be a vegetarian vampire that is able to be around other people, even though it's really painful. Um, and also kind of the catalyst um, for him tr- going through his like Dexter phase, which was meeting up with this other vampire coven that Carlisle has like an allyship with. And one of the vampires from that coven says offhand that drinking human blood is like the greatest pleasure that um, the like vampire life has to offer. And Edward kind of has this like ego thing where he realizes that because his special power is reading minds that he can only kill bad people. Um, whereas most vampires wouldn't be able to tell. So he's like, Oh, I'm going to go do that. Um, and sort of the conclusion of that story or like rather why he's reminiscing on it is because um, he found that, um, it wasn't the greatest pleasure. Like, drinking human blood didn't live up to um, what she described. Um, and it's because he has known love, basically. Um, and the more, and, and then it, Alice, like, I don't know if she, like, calls him on the phone or if he, she, like, projects thoughts into his head. I can't remember. Um, but because he's thinking about love and how much he loves Bella as a result of that kind of reminiscing, she's like, hey, your odds of killing her um, are now only 20%. So it's, like, very literal, <laughs> right? Um, and then... 
the third chapter that I read was called The Knot. Um, surprisingly, no werewolves in this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, haha, that uh, The Knot is referring to the tangled up uh, future that they have. Of course, um, of course. Edward is watching Bella sleep, as you do. Um, but then the rest of the chapter is literally just him uh, meeting her. They drive to uh, the trailhead. They go off of the trail, the hike through the woods. Um, and they are at the meadow where he is about to step into the sunlight. And that is the end of my three chapters. Hoo-wee. Okay, so I, yeah, I excised a little bit of stuff from mine because I I tried to just drill down to what I thought was, like, most essential in my chapter. Mm-hmm. And I... I completely failed that, I guess. I, I, I was picking the stuff that I figured would be, like... Like, I, I, I think I was guessing what the bulk of your chapter might be. <laughs> and I assumed it would be, like, Edward eavesdropping on this, like, Billy and and, and Charlie conversation. Uh, and then, like, maybe overhearing her calling Jessica or whatever. I, 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 I was just like, well... Edwards at school during these this this like short couple pages, so I I, I don't need to mention this. This will just come up in yours, but no, <laughs> I guess not. No, mine com- came completely out of left field. Um, wow. I I honestly from this I thought your chapter was going to be about Edward going home early because that was really like the biggest thing that happened was him having this um. Uh, vision revealed to him and him having to to get out of school real fast um so that that does happen uh-huh. but it, it, it's like it's very it's like this very short exchange so edward does pick her up on friday morning to take her to school they it, it, there's like one sentence that mentions like oh he, he asked me about my mom and like uh uh and so on and so forth but it's it, it's very brief um and then when he gets her to school he's like Oh shit! I forgot. I gotta. I actually have got to leave early today. And she goes, "Oh really?" And uh, and he goes, "Yeah. Uh, me and Alice are going hunting. They have this conversation, like at lunch. Like Alice comes over to like pick him up, basically. Right. Um. And then th- there, there's, there's one. I, I guess I should have mentioned this at least, which is, which is an important exchange. Um. Because it. <laughs> It, it crosses over with the uh, watching Bella sleep stuff, um, <laughs> which is when he's like, oh, I shouldn't have driven you to school today because I won't be able to drive you home because I'm going out with Alice. We're going hunting. Um, but don't worry. Uh, I'm going to go to your house and bring your truck here. I and love she's logistics. Like, <laughs> we're just learning. <laughs> yeah, we just have this long conversation where he's like, uh, I will go and get your truck. And she's like, oh, okay like i don't think you will but sure go ahead um and i was like ah we're gonna get some some bella's room invasion lore here i suppose but uh yeah that does that also happens in mine i should have included that in the summary do you ever feel like um like when you run into stuff like that and all of a sudden there have to be like weird logistics of like okay we'll, we'll bring <laughs> we'll bring you this the car and it's like reasons why do you ever feel like it's like did the author did their backspace key break <laughs> like you couldn't think of like a you, you couldn't just type like that's okay i will take the bus home or something or i <laughs> i will walk home <laughs> or have edward not drive her to school or something to avoid I'll, I'll these like Charlie. logistical uh, challenges <laughs> no we have to arrange the story very very precisely so that 
uh, Edward can, I guess, there, there's a bit where, I'm skipping so far ahead here, but this is actually a very insane scene. Yeah. Uh, Bella's like, hmm, I'm trying to think where my keys are. Oh, that's right, they're in my jeans under a pile of laundry, uh, so he'll never find it. <laughs> it's oh. like, well... Uh, well, okay, we could just talk about this now because these yeah, truck logistics don't matter at all to anything else. <laughs> yeah, let's get this um, out of the way early. Truck <laughs> so logistics, we, number we one. Gotta, we gotta talk about this. Um, so Alice displays, um, an exciting new power that is related to her future telling because sort of the way it works is that depending on what decisions people are making in the present, it'll affect the future, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So that also includes thoughts. So when Edward is like thinking about how much he loves Bella, his odds of killing her go down. Um, So Alice (laughs) does this like future walk where she imagines looking for the keys in Bella's house. And so it gives her a vision of the future of her not finding them. So she goes like procedurally throughout the house looking in a bunch of places so that she can like have a vision of her failing until she has a vision of her finding them. So when she gets to the house, she can go in and find them immediately. (laughs) What the that okay speaking of logistics that is very complicated (laughs) it is very complicated i assumed that it was just gonna be like well edward has fucking watched her sleep for the past three weeks so he would just be like yeah it's in those jeans that are on the floor (laughs) like i didn't realize alice would have to get involved with this one well edward even has the thought like this is There's so much thought that went into all of this. So she does that, but Edward thinks that if she hadn't been around, he still would have been able to find the keys because it's easy enough to smell metal that Bella has been touching. Oh my god, of course, his sense of smell. Why Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> but it'll be way faster for Alice to do this weird astral projecting into the future. But there are, mul- is- there are multiple ways they could achieve this simple task of finding the keys and bringing Bella's truck to her so she can drive home. Okay, if so they both know that Charlie is, like, gone for the day because he's a cop, right? Like, he, uh-huh. he's busy. He's, yeah. he's doing stuff. Um, I feel like Bella could have just been like, y- yeah, you can go in my room. Like, you're a vampire. I'm not going to tell the vampire, no, you can't go get my keys. <laughs> and also, here are the keys. Well, and she even <laughs> had the thought, like, they won't be able to find them, right? Yeah, okay, well, I, the, I highlighted this paragraph because it has a very interesting line in it that that i found very indicative of like the relationship and the fantasy here mm-hmm. um uh he shook his head your truck will be here and the key will be in the ignition unless you're afraid someone might steal it he laughed at the thought all right i agreed pursing my lips i was pretty sure my key was in the pocket of a pair of jeans i wore wednesday under a pile of clothes in the laundry room however if he broke into my house or whatever he was planning he'd never find it he seemed to feel the challenge in my consent he smirked overconfident <laughs> i can't believe that he wasn't even the one to find it he wasn't even the one to like raise rise to the challenge it had to be alice's weird future vision but he could have if he wanted right like i thought this was them doing a little like they're them doing their weird like mr and mrs smith thing like i thought this was supposed to be like a a little like sexy game of like ooh, can you break into my house or or, or not you know like 
I th- that was I, kind of I the impression it still I got. Is. <laughs> Which instead it's well, it kind of is because another part of this brief scene is that Bella thinks Alice is insanely hot. Uh, nice. So <laughs> that's great. So so I guess maybe 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 it is still a sexy game. It's just that like like Alice is doing a sexy tool assisted speed run where she's just like running through every possible location for the keys and Edward. Uh, knows where it is and could do the manual speed run, I guess. That seems easier. <laughs> this is all, this is all, this is a very tangled web of plotting to, to line out for uh, how Bella gets home after school on Friday. It's yeah. a school. Take the bus. <laughs> it could like, oh, Jessica will give me a ride home. Right. Yeah, oh, I'll probably the- pick me up. <laughs> oh, I'll have to ride with Mike Newton. That'll be awkward. Oh well, you know. Oh, like, and then it- Edward could get super mad, and we love yeah. that's so sexy. There's so there's so many ways this could have <laughs> not had to revolve around not just one apparently, but like three separate ideas in each character's mind about how they're going to get Bella's truck to the school <laughs> so she can drive home. And none of it matters. <laughs> yeah, this none of this is core to the plot. The only this is not the the truck is not part of the plot here. The truck isn't even like a MacGuffin for anything in the plot. This is purely a like I need to explain how Bella gets home if Edward is leaving school early. There are so <laughs> many ways to do that. Wow, the genius. <laughs> Truly. Truly incredible stuff. Okay, so that's what was absent from my summary. I for- I did forget to include that, but... Uh... Uh, I think that is reasonable. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. How does Bella get home? I don't care. <laughs> she gets home. It's school. I who doesn't matter. She got home. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Let's uh, rewind a bit and start at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this scene... Um, of of uh, Billy Black and Jacob Black arriving at uh, Charlie's house, and Bella being insanely anxious the whole time, and and worried that she's going to get busted for. Uh, it, 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 she kind of waffles between worrying, like 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 sort of like a like a fun kind of like teenage like angst like oh i don't want to talk about my boyfriend with my dad type stuff right sure um and also like this sort of more existential like oh i hope that vampires and werewolves in the treaty don't come up which is it's a fun it's a fun dynamic (laughs) um and uh jacob gets a lot to do in this in this scene he jacob is so much fun i am enjoying jacob whenever he is in whenever he is in the picture he is Hmm. uh uh he he unlike edward jacob just like gets to the point of every conversation in a way that like just completely disarms bella's like sarcasm machine you know what i mean like yeah, like yeah. like he is not like like it's fun reading edward and bella sort of like verbally sparring because neither of them will ever say what they mean at any given time um, but Jacob, so far, it just seems like he is saying exactly what he means and is and, and asking the questions he wants to ask, like, flat out each time. Um, and that that definitely kind of knocks Bella off balance in a way that's fun to read. Um, does Jacob 
get to do anything other than exposit this chapter or is it no. mostly him doing exposition well it's weird it's it's not quite that he is doing the expositing he does a little bit but um it uh it feels more like he is sort of there as a means to get bella to uh uh <laughs> Not not herself exposit, but to get Bella to, like, um, kind of process some of the stuff that's been going on that hasn't really been... Because, like, we, we've had a lot of forward movement in, in the la last few chapters where, like, Bella and Edward are in a relationship now and they're, like, you know, they're asking each other questions and Bella is like, oh my god, I love Edward so much. Um, but she hasn't really been, like, chewing on, like, the vampire stuff or the werewolf stuff or the, like the the fact that she is lying to her dad um mm -hmm. a lot in these chapters like like jacob is just sort of seems like he's prodding her to like think about that stuff here um and it does it does still end up feeling pretty much just as mechanical unfortunately as if as if he was just expositing but it, like it's he, he is there to prompt her to get the story moving i guess um in in, hmm. in this scene hmm. um yeah yeah, is Edward listening in on this 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 stuff? By the way, because he he like disappears right in in uh, at the end of the last so chapter. So that was last chapter, and I think that he maybe doubles back and and listens from like a tree. Except I don't get any of the actual uh, information. Like I, it's, mm. I don't get like a play by play of the actual conversation. It's just that Edward is like. I listened to them have dinner and then go home. Okay. And that was like okay. the end of my last, last week's chapter. I guess that, that is one of, this is the first time I've heard like a smart, like <laughs> excitement of, of something from Twilight in Midnight Sun. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Because part of what is fun about this scene is nothing happens. Um, this, this is entirely Bella being incredibly anxious and nervous, uh, uh, worried that something might happen, but nothing, nothing does. Um, and so Edward being like, okay, they had dinner and I left that, that, that seems like the kind of savvy editing of the story that maybe could have been applied a little hev more heavily in the rest of Midnight Sun. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I feel like at the point that I am at just overall in the book, something, um, I don't know if it feels like Midnight Sun is speeding up or like, I mean, it, it's not speeding up. It's obviously slowing down. I had three chapters this week, but something about um, the way that it's being, like, it feels more comfortably written and more comfortable to add stuff. Like, I, I would say the bulk of my reading was, you know, Alice and Edward um, hanging out and talking and then this flashback stuff. And I'm like, oh, finally, Midnight Sun gets to do its own thing. And I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not reading jane austen over bella's shoulder so this is like <laughs> it's like that right like this my yeah. chapter easily could have been edward sitting in a tree listening to um listening to their dinner but thank yeah. god it's not <laughs> yeah because because what i think makes this chapter work um for me is that this we're back to very little actually happening mm -hmm. but bella is in her own head again in this chapter in sort of a new way, which is, like, we've had sort of, like, 
prosaic love-struck Bella for a few chapters now. Um, but she's starting to get, like, worried again and starting to, like, get paranoid about, like, what other characters are thinking and stuff. You know, like, like, like Billy being there really makes her paranoid. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get a little bit of noir Bella back this this chapter. Wonderful. Um, and and But it is mixed with uh, her very sort of, like idealized love struck descriptions of like her feelings towards edward and stuff so it's it's she's being pulled in two directions internally here um in a way that's i think very fun to read uh even if like the um the literal happenings of this chapter are like incredibly dull Mm -hmm. Uh, not not much is happening um i was surprised that like the chapter ended up like 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 billy and, and jacob showing up i was like surely sparks are about to fly in some in some manner but instead it's like charlie and billy hang out watching sports and jacob's like oh yeah he's not gonna bring up the werewolf thing and then they leave like are there kind of are there any clues um from their because i know that they're like literally talking about werewolves right like Mm -hmm. the, the legends and things like that but are there any clues from their behavior that they might be werewolves not uh not a drop if if, okay. if there if if there is i missed it like it is very much like bella is worried about billy because she finds his expressions inscrutable and she keeps worrying like oh my god he's looking right at me he knows exactly what's going on i'm i'm fucked um but she never for one she never imagines what that scenario might look like she just worries about it happening you know if you know <laughs> what i mean like mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't have any idea of, like, what what would happen if Billy did know that she was dating Edward. Um, hmm. And the other aspect is that Jacob is like, oh, yeah, the last time Billy said anything about that stuff to Charlie, they sort of, like, stopped talking for a while. So this is a weird, like, like this is kind of, like, uh, uh, a nice a nice thing to see the, these two dudes, like hanging out again um that's sort of the extent of it there's no uh uh no 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 hints no um anything although i guess knowing that that jacob is a werewolf right there is a line where um while they're talking about billy and charlie not really talking for a while after billy last brought up the the treaty or whatever um they talk about it very vaguely like I, i don't actually know Jacob does not say what it is exactly that Billy brought up to Charlie. He just mentions that, like, oh yeah, last time he brought this up, um, they didn't talk for a while. But 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 uh, he has this aside where he's like, ah, superstitious old man or whatever. And I don't like I've I've never read this series right. I just know that that Jacob is a werewolf, and I'm like right. I, I can't I can't tell if that's him trying a little too hard to throw Bella off the scent or if that's him like talking about something else that i haven't gotten to yet you know what i mean like right right um but that's like the i think that's the closest thing to a hint that that i get here is the implication that charlie they fight because he believes in werewolves or told them a legend about a werewolf i don't know it's very vague let me let me see maybe we can piece this together maybe i missed something because it, it does really seem uh it's just a very funny thing for two grown men to like have a falling out <laughs> over. Uh, let's see. 
Okay, yeah. Um, I, uh, so who was it, he asked, sitting two plates on the counter next to me. I sighed in defeat. Edward Cullen. To my surprise, he laughed. I glanced up at him. He looked a little embarrassed. I guess that explains it then, he said. I wondered why my dad was acting so strange. That's right. I faked an innocent expression. He doesn't like the Cullens. Superstitious old man, Jacob muttered under his breath. You don't think he'd say anything to Charlie? I couldn't help asking, the words coming out in a low rush. Jacob stared at me for a moment, and I couldn't read the expression in his eyes. I doubt it, he finally answered. I think Charlie chewed him out pretty good last time. They haven't spoken much since. Tonight is sort of a reunion, I think. I don't think he'd bring it up again. Chewed out for not liking the Collins? Or for believing in werewolves? Yeah, I guess Telling him that the Collins are vampires? I guess that's a weird thing to say to someone, right? Yeah, I I mean, Charlie does... One thing that's very interesting about Charlie, and, like, that that comes up again in this chapter, is that as, like, small-town sheriff, right, Mm -hmm. Charlie knows and, like, has opinions about basically every family living here. And so I guess there's maybe an implication that, like, oh, if it was just Billy saying, like, oh, like, I don't trust the Cullens or whatever, we know that charlie likes the cullens he's like oh carlisle is like the best doctor in town or oh whatever, yeah right? like, good upstanding upstanding doctor man yeah so it, it could it could purely just be that maybe maybe they've had a falling out over not liking the cullens which as you say <laughs> kind of, would be kind of a weird thing for two adult <laughs> men to have a falling out over um so i i i feel like it it it's gotta be the werewolf and vampire stuff, right? Like, if 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 that if if like, that's although that's, also a very is funny that part thing of the treaty? Like that, that that's part of the treaty that they can't talk about it, right? I think it's just a territory thing. Well, no, because I, I think that it is like a mutual, like you've got a secret, I've got a secret. Yeah, yeah. So it probably is just it probably is just that 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 last time. I don't know, maybe 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 Billy kind of went off on the Cullens and Charlie was like, I like those guys, and they just never talked about it since. Um, uh, Billy and Charlie, I think that that's honestly my favorite part of this chapter. Uh, it, there, there's this fun sense of just like two, like these two middle-aged dudes hanging out, right? Um, uh, although, <laughs> I think I, I, I kept highlighting this. There is a very funny new entry in the, like, does Twilight uh, refer to specific brands and and, and things uh, Mm -hmm. or not this time? Because Charlie invites Billy in to watch the game. And throughout the chapter, they are watching the game. And the game is happening. And then when they leave, Charlie is like... Come to watch the next game. And Billy's like, I think I might. I'm looking forward to the game. And I was just like, what are they watching? Like, what sport? What teams? What <laughs> you can you you can you can tell what um I don't know. It's similar to the car stuff, right? It's like you you can tell that like maybe uh, Stephanie Meyer didn't feel like researching this or didn't have anyone around suggesting like, oh the, the, you know like 2004 Washington around this time these teams would have been playing right that like, could have like, been very characterful though yeah that's yeah, like exactly. one of those things right like the cars aren't to me 
I guess mm-hmm. like they, a little bit, right? Like I'll give like yes, Rosalie drives a shiny red BMW is like okay, that's has a little bit of character. But I think that like having them like if they're watching college football, that's mm-hmm. I mean that could be characterful. Are they like rooting for the same team? Is it the local team? Are they watching right. basketball? Like I, I don't know. Yeah, no, exactly. Because the the thing is, the cars are that sort of, but they're so fantastical, right? Because it's like cars that 99% of the people reading the story will never be able to afford, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas, like, the sports thing is so universal. Like, if it's, you know, two two middle-aged guys in, in Washington State, like... Yeah, they they will probably have some opinions about sports and 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 specific teams they follow and players they like and like you don't have to be that into sports to dig into that. That's the kind of thing you can do with like research or talking to people or whatever. Right? Are they right? watching the Mariners lose? <laughs> like that's characterful. <laughs> yeah. Are they watching exactly. the Seahawks lose? <laughs> um, it's it's just yeah that, that, that's a more universal experience in the same way that like some of the the school stuff that has felt weirdly absent has has been felt like a missed opportunity right it's like yeah like this is not be being like oh i love brands or whatever but if you're writing a story about teenagers in high school like you're inundated with pop culture you have an opinion on it um, right uh and specific things you like and 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 dislike and and similarly i feel like sports is just such a universal thing if you are telling me these two men are watching sports together that that's so that's so ripe for characterization stuff that's just sort of absent here yeah and it's funny um because you know twilight seems to have less um and i know that this isn't this isn't in reference to the sports that they're watching but when mm-hmm. edward and bella are having the like conversation in my book about um like bella's mom and uh bella's dating history and all this stuff they briefly talk about college and and like what college bella wants to go to mm. and um edward cracks a joke about washington state university and like okay. her not wanting to be a cougar so i'm like <laughs> I don't know. And like, I know that's not like, I mean, it is like they could be watching college football, right? So it's interesting the stuff that makes it into Midnight Sun uh, versus watching the game in Twilight. Yeah. 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 Like, the same thing happened last week with uh, um, the movies and, and like music and stuff they were talking about, right? Where honestly, it felt like such a breath of fresh air hearing that your chapter got into the specifics of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened again this chapter because uh, when they're driving um, to uh, uh, the the meadow, if I remember right, this is where this is. Maybe maybe it's when they're waiting for Alice to <laughs> finish talking to them about uh, <laughs> getting the keys or whatever. Um, but Edward is like, oh, I couldn't stand another uh, to finish watching that dreadful movie we were watching in biology. But he doesn't say what movie or what he didn't like about it. He's just like, oh, that movie, you know? That, and that I was like, bad movie we were watching. Yeah, and like knowing it's Lorenzo's Oil, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like a saccharine 90s biopic, right? It's like, okay, yeah, no, I get why Edward doesn't like this, right? But just like just like saying, oh, that movie, I, I had such a bad time watching that movie. It's like, why bother? Don't put that in there. Like, I need I need details. Right, right. The the game thing was very funny to me. I, I was really excited to sort of like learn some 
uh, some Charlie lore. Mm -hmm. um, we know he likes baseball. We know he likes basketball. I assume he likes football, but I don't know. Like I, I, I would, I would love to know. You know what, what, what his uh, local sports opinions are. Right, right. He goes fishing. He he goes fishing. He goes fishing with the with the boys from the station again. Just just stuff that like I I really appreciate. I like that's the kind of character stuff that I love just generally, right? Like I love hearing what characters are like in their like, you know, when they're not on, when they're not being that character. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like that's that's such a good way to build character. And I get really excited every time that kind of thing comes up in Twilight cuz I'm like, "Ooh, ooh, yes, tell me, yeah, what is what is what does Charlie do with the boys? You know, like like what what's their what's their routine? What are they or like are they going camping and fishing or are they just going fishing? Like 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 let me know. What, what like what 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 are they fishing for? What does he like? Has he ever caught a big one? I, I just have so many questions that never get alluded to that that I always end up a little just a just a tinge disappointed because I I want to know that stuff. Yeah, I'm so fascinated by Charlie's character in that um, Edward. Again, this is skipping ahead, but um, on the day of the hike, Edward is, like, reading Charlie's mind uh, as he's, like, going fishing and, like, what his thoughts are, um, except Edward can't really read his mind. All he can get is, like, the general impressions and stuff. Mm. So he's like, oh, Charlie seems a little bit... Uh, like sad that Bella's sleeping in and he won't say goodbye and maybe feeling a little bit guilty that he's going to be away all day. Um, but the way Edward always ends it is like, Oh, I wonder why I can't read his mind. Oh, well. <laughs> that's really like, that's fun. I, I, I am assuming that it's just like, there's some family trait or whatever that the, that the swans have. But I, I love the idea of Charlie just being like, so, normal guy head empty that edward doesn't have a hard time reading him you know yeah. like he's just he's just too powerfully normal for edward right, right. so he just gets like the very general impressions because he's just like normal guy who likes to watch the game yeah go out fishing with his buds i love charlie i think charlie is my favorite character in this book so far um, wow i mean like like i i I really I have that's that's unfair. I Bella is my favorite character because because we're spending so much time with Bella and Bella I think really is just like a well fleshed out character. Mm -hmm. But Charlie is always a delight whenever he's around because I really like what Charlie and Bella's relationship is like. Um there's a moment in this when cuz there is there is a moment where he seems like a little worried and he's like, you know, should I cancel my fishing trip if you're if you're not going like like do you want to hang out on saturday and there's a there's a, this moment where um he says uh, oh yeah he muttered then he smiled at me apologetically so i guess it's good you'll be gone saturday i've made plans to go fishing with the guys from the station the weather's supposed to be real warm but if you wanted to pull, put off your trip till sometime till someone who could go with you i'd stay home i know i leave you alone here too much Dad, you're doing a great job, I smiled, hoping my relief didn't show. I've never minded being alone. I'm too much like you. Like, it's there's a really fun, kind of bittersweet relationship between these two that I think is really good. Like, they That's are, cute. They, they clearly love each other, right? But they are... They're comfortable at a distance, you know what I mean? In a, in a way that's very interesting. And, like, I think rare to see that sort of portrayed positively as a relationship in her life, right? Like... Um, you know, and, and like, it's sweet that Charlie sort of has a, uh, maybe like a little bit of guilt about it, but, but there's this, I don't know, sort of like, 
you 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 I, I see where like hardened noir Bella comes from every time Charlie is around, right? Where it's like he he does love her, but they have been sort of quietly apart for so long that it's like 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 that's just how it's gonna be. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like that that's just how the relationship is. Um did you get any of the conversation in your chapter about um Bella's mom? Very briefly. Uh there's a bit where they're driving He wanted to know about people today, more about Renee, her hobbies, what we'd done in our free time together, and then the one grandmother I'd known, my few few school friends, embarrassing me when he asked about boys I'd dated. I was relieved I'd never really dated anyone, so that particular conversation couldn't last long. Mm -hmm. Um, He, yeah, not much Renee content in here. Hmm. I... I, again, think that Midnight Sun is finally getting a little bit of a chance to shine, because I get that entire conversation, um that they're having um and and i bring it up like not it doesn't it's not very consequential it's a little bit similar um to her listing all of her favorite books right like it mm-hmm. still is character building um but it doesn't like super matter and it's like a little bit fan servicey um but i wanted to talk about the renee stuff because it seems uh, a little bit similar to the charlie stuff even though because i don't get a whole lot of charlie at all um mm-hmm. Uh, but Bella sort of like explains her mom a little bit more and how her mom is like, uh, like very free spirited, right? And she hates to be tied down. And when Bella was a kid, she wasn't allowed to have pets because, um, because her mom like always wanted to be away on the weekend and could barely mm-hmm. like stay still, but like would go against her sort of nature to take care of Bella and like worked and like worked one job and and. And, like, stayed in one place for Bella. Um, But as a result, um, Bella has ended up sort of feeling like she has to kind of earn her place because she feels Mm. a little bit burdened by feeling like she's, like, tying her mom down. Um, And Edward is very, like, sort of perplexed by this because he has a little bit of frustration with Bella's mom and making her feel that way. Um, But his, his being perplexed is about how Bella, like truly sincerely has no resentment over it and i think that's really interesting yeah and it's sort of similar to the charlie stuff where i feel like any like usually when that background is employed it's kind of a employed as a i don't want to say like a trauma but like as something like purely negative whereas i Mm -hmm. feel like this is just so uh, like ridiculously grounded in a real like a relationship where that can feel like it really just is about people and the way that they relate to each other through their differences and all Mm -hmm. all of that and i'm like this this can be sort of a just like positive situation like bella can like truly love her mom and this is just like their different style relationship that they have yeah yeah it's fascinating it 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 is i think the Bella's relationships to, to, with her parents are so, um, they're unpolished, but they're, mm-hmm. like you say, they're not negative. Um, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them like outright positive either, but I think what, what is really, uh, arresting to me about them is that, um, 
they really dovetail nicely into explaining how Bella is as a character. Um, and also it's, it's, it's kind of got this sense of like no judgment, right? It's like, it's like, maybe that was good. Maybe that was bad, you know? And, but I think Bella, like, like she, she has not said this directly uh, in her thoughts in the, in the story yet, but like when, when Charlie is sort of expressing a little bit of guilt over like not being around and, and leaving her alone a lot of the time, um, she kind of has this sense of like, well, it is what it is, and I still love you, right? Like, yeah, uh, which is which is a there's a lot to unpack there potentially, but it's it's a very honest depiction of a feeling. I feel um, right, and, yeah. and very interesting. I think you're right on. Like, it, it's the the no judgment thing is like seems really true about this, and it it not really. Say, saying good or bad, but it it just is, right? And that is yeah. often ha- times how uh, relationships are. Yeah, yeah. There's there. It's it's not it's not portraying this as some great trauma in Bella's past. Nor is it saying that like, uh, this was a good relationship. It's just saying that like this is the way things are, and Bella loves them, and. I, I find that fascinating because I, I think you can draw a pretty direct line between those behaviors and relationships and the way that Bella herself behaves and interacts with people in the world, right? But it's like, it's never, it, it, it's never delivered like that's a, um, like a twist surprise about her home life or whatever, or like, this is the key to like why she is this way and that's good or bad, right? It's it's purely just to like, yeah, no, these are what my relationships are like, and this is this is where I am, and I I I have dealt with it, I have processed this, or or I'm in the process of processing it, right? But it but it is what it is, you know, like mm-hmm. like I I love my family and this is what my relationship to them has been. Yeah, sometimes these books just like hit that vein of honesty that's yeah. um very magnetic, I think. Yeah, it, I I truly really appreciate Bella's character. I I if there is one thing that I will hold up from this book and say, I I fully disagree with the criticism that it, that it got at the time uh, about is I I I I think that Bella is just a good character, and, and a lot of that, as we have talked about before, might just be that it's sort of like autobiographical, like Stephanie Meyer stuff coming through. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I think she is a really, really interesting character to read and like just really well realized. And this is a big part of it. For whatever is like autobiographical, I think people don't give enough credit about how hard that is to to do totally. anyway, right? To be oh, honest yeah. in an autobiographical way is is like a challenging and and worthy thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. To be able to pour yourself into a character, even if it is just yourself, right? I think that is a skill, and like that is a uh, not not only a skill, but it is um, uh, brave is the wrong word, but it's like it, it, you make yourself vul- vulnerable doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it. I I think that if 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 anything hits in this book, it is Bella as a character. I, I think she's just very very well put together. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We're sort of like done with like the first half of my chapter, and we're in the like Edward space now. So tell tell me about Edward's flashback. 
Well, I guess actually the first stuff is the the, pro- the Alice's vision stuff. Oh, right. um, yes, yes, yes. Because they talk extensively about it, and I um I don't want to sound like purposefully obtuse because I really am not trying to be, but it doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> <laughs> but in a in a way that's like okay, right? Because anytime you're dealing with prophecy and like future vision, mm-hmm. it's just not gonna it's not gonna make a whole lot of sense, right? Like it's a lot of just like you have to face the trial and the the trial. I cannot see beyond the meadow and like all it's all knotted up and and confusing. Um, but then like the funny thing about the sort of way it's written is that half of it is like that. And then half of it is her saying, uh, I mean, here it's 60, 40 ish, maybe even 65, 35. There's still a good chance you won't kill her. Like it, it all of a sudden is like, she can tell a little bit what the odds are, which is funny. Her being able to assign numbers to it is very funny. In it's like best deployments, uh, prophecy and future vision stuff it never makes sense it just need you just need the story like commit to the way it doesn't make sense you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like like it needs it needs to be like like fantastical in a way that you can make sense of in the context of the story and just not to think too hard about it right Mm -hmm. putting hard numbers on it is a very funny way to go about that Right, right. Um, I mean, most of the stuff is really just doubling down on some of the past information that we've had about the like possible futures. Um, we have the future of Bella becoming a, uh, I almost said a werewolf, Bella becoming a vampire um, and Bella dying, uh, dying dead. Um, and both of these futures are like intolerable to Edward. He thinks these are just like the worst things possible. Um, so I guess I will say like the new information that we get is that Alice reveals, um, one of her visions that she hadn't, that she has been like sort of sitting on and didn't reveal to Edward Mm. is that he can't run away because if he ran away and like when he tried to before or thought about it, he would have come back to hunt Bella because if his love Mm. isn't there, then he will just like have the like primal, like, Ooh, you smell so good thing. And he won't be able to like deal with that so he's like extremely tortured by this he's tortured by all all the possible futures um and then the big thing is like he has to go to the meadow even though he might kill her there um because otherwise like he will definitely kill her or something i swear i'm not trying to be dumb on purpose (laughs) it really is just like completely absurd and then eventually it just comes down to um uh Alice saying, all her paths are leading to one point, all her paths are knotted together, whether that point is in the meadow or somewhere else, she's tied to that moment of decision, your decision, her decision, some of the threads continue on the other side, some, Mm. you can't avoid it, Edward, you're gonna have to face it, knowing it could easily go either way, you still have to face it. So... Yeah, you know, wow. it's just it's I, just future stuff. Just future stuff. I I there's one little nugget here that I'm curious about. Um, is Alice the one who makes a bunch of money doing stock stuff with her future site? Like she's yes. doing invest. So that actually, I this could be entirely by accident, but I I just realized that might make the percentages stuff make total sense for her character. 
Oh, I love that. Yeah, like if she, if she, if 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 like her job, quote unquote, is like you know doing like like market trading stuff and and uh, uh, making her money that way, I could see maybe she would just assign like, oh yeah, this is like a sixty percent, seventy percent. I don't know, like that 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 makes sense. I think if if we take that as like her, maybe just like one of her quirks, right, is that she sees th- everything through that kind of lens. Oh, that's really cute. Also, like um, th- at the end of this whole thing like after edward has his um his reminiscing flashback thing and he's like oh i love bella so much and she chimes in to say like hey your odds are 80 20 now um (laughs) like as she's like reading the markets and stuff you think about like the ceo thinking different thoughts would change the change Mm. the probabilities She's like sitting on on the plane next to like Jeff Bezos or whatever, and is like, "Hmm, <laughs> make this guy think some think some positive or negative thoughts." Right. <laughs> oh, and he got a divorce. I wonder whether that was up or down for her for for Alice. Like, ooh. Right, or like, better, or like Elon, he's, she's like, uh-oh, he's thinking about <laughs> tweeting again, the, the odds are, are 60-40, they were 80-20. Oh, fuck, he just remembered Grimes, I gotta sell, this is bad. <laughs> right, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I love that for her. Yeah. <laughs> A weird power to have, but I, go go for it, Alice, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, that sort of does make the percentages thing makes sense in my head a little bit at least um yeah uh, it's silly it's very silly i where does this conversation take place where are they having this chat is this while they're hunting in the woods legitimately i have no idea they might be in the car because they go Mm -hmm. maybe they go home first um they might Setting is not the strength of this chapter until they're actually hunting, <laughs> so I legitimately have no clue. My it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Long story I, short. I, I was I was asking just because I, I, I feel like that's an interesting parallel with my chapter where uh Bella it, it's really funny. The thing that we were sort of talking about last week with um with how uh the 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 sort of nebulous setting ended up working for that one chapter just because of like it, it sort of like spoke to Bella's headspace right mm-hmm. um it, it, it's very funny that that happened on purpose in this chapter I fa- I found the quote that I was talking about uh um about the school day uh mm-hmm. I I went to class feeling dutiful I couldn't honestly say what happened in biology my mind was too pre- preoccupied with thoughts of tomorrow. Um, and it's fun hearing that purposefully in my chapter, but it sounds like it was sort of un- not on purpose in yours, right? Like, Yeah, oh, I think they are literally just having this conversation in the car on the way to yeah. the national park. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's funny that, that that was directly addressed in my chapter, but, like, if this, this book does not have a very good command over setting in a way that would make that work noticeably you know what i mean like setting is always nebulous in 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 myers writing it kind of feels like so like having it be intentionally nebulous in my chapter feels basically no different from it being accidentally nebulous in yours yeah mine just feels like a mistake though like i can like (laughs) i can think of (laughs) even a car conversation i think has a tone right like if you're talking in a car 
it, it can be really like tense and feel a little claustrophobic mm-hmm. or any of those things, but it just doesn't employ any of it, right? Like yeah. when you asked me, I legitimately had no idea where they were having this conversation. Um, yeah, because like the, it, the, the, the tenor of the conversation could can often tell you where it's being held or like what kind of setting it's being held in, right? Right. I mean, I think a car conversation is a um, – it has a vibe, right? Or totally. it can have several different kinds of vibes. Um, or even if they – um, had gone to the park and were just sitting outside before they were hunting. That could have a vibe, but this just mm-hmm. has not. It's just, it's nothing. It's a conversation that had had to happen, and it feels like just a lapse in yeah. thinking about where they are. Yeah, S- setting is important for that kind of thing. like, like, like car. Yeah, car conversation vibes, depending on who it's between and what it's about, and like what the mood is like, can be very different from this that same conversation topic happening at a bar or like in the park like you were saying right mm-hmm. like because fundamentally in a car like one person has to be focused on something uh, right and not only that they have the power to <laughs> fuck that up right like yeah um, and so depending on the relationships depending on the context it's like yeah the, you you i feel like a well-written car conversation you would be able to tell it was in a car even if it never said that explicitly, right? Right. Like, like that dynamic should should come through in the dialogue, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that seems like maybe a weakness in in both Twilight and Midnight Sun is that sometimes these conversations sort of seem like they are completely disconnected from where they're happening. Yeah, it just seems unconsidered a lot yes. of the time. Yeah, yeah, which is too bad because I I think that. So much of the dialogue is quite strong, but, like, every now and then you just get this conversation where it's like, I don't know where the fuck this is happening, or why, or when, you know, it just it just is happening. Um, yeah, I oftentimes forget to think about where, or when, or what, because it, it's just, like, yeah. the longest conversation with um, even longer um, out of... <sighs> Just sort of in a void brooding, I suppose. Yes, void is a very good way to put it. These conversa- these conversations almost feel like they were written as conversations first sometimes, and then plopped into the story where they needed to go to because like that that's stuff that like makes the truck logistics thing make a lot of sense, <laughs> right? Where it's like I, the setting often feels like it 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 came up later, and so mm-hmm. things like the truck logistics have to be inserted to sort of make that stuff fit together you know what i right. mean yeah yeah like like who who knows how it was written uh originally but that that's just sort of the vibe like like this the setting and the conversation can often feel very disjointed in these books absolutely um i did sort of miss like i, I think this is a little interesting and probably the most interesting thing about this like uh future site stuff which is that um uh one of like the most improbable future that alice finally sees is of edward and bella years later with bella still being a human Mm. where they're like together happy family um but bella is like an, an adult and is has not been turned and stuff and and 
and Alice is just like, this This future is so sketchy, like, it's barely there, um, but it is there. And it's sort of what Edward holds on to, it's like his anchor, and he's like, okay, this is the only future that is tolerable to me, which I think is sort of fascinating reading this and knowing that this book was written for people who know that that isn't going to happen, right? Yeah, I, I, I guess that is sort of like creating some tragedy that might have been like because that's already the tragedy of, of of twilight right is that is that this is this is going to end in a certain type of way no matter what um but having him explicitly told like well this is unlikely but it is something that could happen and holding on to that that is at least something for him to think about, right? Like that—that—that's a drive for him as a protagonist. That—that's—that's mm -hmm. that's a protagonist thing for him to to think about. Yeah, and then Alice has this line like after he's like, "Okay, there it there is hope," or or whatever it is, and Alice is just like, "Okay, but is that what you want, or is that what you want, is or is it what she wants, or is it what she wants or is it what you want basically, which mm -hmm. is like obviously keeping the door open to what actually happens where it's like Bella does want to be a vampire. She doesn't want to stay human. Right. Right. God, that's fucking cool. That's cool. Right? Bella. Yeah. Right. I know. She's, she's it right is on the cool. money. She's right. <laughs> she's fucking right. Uh, I mean, Alice is right. It would be pretty sketchy if Edward stayed the same age and Bella got old, right? It like, is sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little sketchy. That's what she meant. But <laughs> just not, this not one's like super sketch, Edward. No, Edward, Edward, this is sketch. Don't do that. <laughs> this is a little sus. This is not going to work out. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it's interesting that Alice is a character in yours so so heavily um because alice, alice is not in mine alice is i mean we 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 get a lot of bisexual bella this chapter um wonderful in, in mine she is she is uh ogling alice and talking about how alice is so beautiful and so impossibly pretty and how she's almost as pretty as edward and she there's a moment where like alice like alice does like talk to her briefly she's like oh like hi nice to meet you or whatever and uh like bella can only go like thank you like in, in response right <laughs> i was just like wow bella's really <laughs> working through some feelings here for this character who's not really present in the in the chapter i think i think alice becomes a bigger deal in in your book but i don't i don't super remember but i think they become become friends or whatever mm -hmm, mm -hmm. jessica replaced <laughs> the jessica replaced. i mean hell yeah get more vampires in here absolutely jessica's such a non-character i will absolutely root for a vampire to take her spot at this point um i have one more like thing that is sort of in i actually can't tell how consequential it is at all but it <laughs> seems inconsequential to me but it's just super duper weird mm -hmm. um so after all this like crazy prophecy stuff and like paths diverging in the knot and the threads of all this stuff um edward goes to like figure out what he's gonna wear for the hike and there is this like long 
thing where it sort of describes how all the vampires dress and that their whole thing is to one blend in and so alice um always keeps their closets full of the latest fashion so that they Mm. don't look out of date and two to like cover themselves like as completely as possible in case like the sun comes out or something okay um so that's their whole deal and he's just like trying to figure out what to wear and then it goes to this which i think is so weird um at that moment i remembered a shirt stuck in the back of the recesses of my closet that i'd never worn the shirt was an anomaly usually alice wouldn't get us anything that she couldn't see us wearing and that means that she is like using her secret like future vision to see (laughs) them wearing things. Typically, she was quite strict in following the letter of the law. I recalled the afternoon two years ago when I'd first seen the shirt hanging with a new lot of Alice's acquisitions tacked on in the very back, as if she knew it was all wrong. What's this for? I asked her. She'd shrugged. I don't know. It looked nice on the model. There hadn't been anything hidden in her thoughts. She seemed as confused as I was by the impulsive purchase, and yet she hadn't let me throw throw the shirt away either. You never know, she'd insisted. You might want it someday. I pulled the shirt out now oh and felt God. a strange wave of awe, a chill almost, if I were capable of feeling such a thing. Her uncanny premonitions reached so far, stretched their tentacles so deep into the future that even she didn't understand all the actions she took. Somehow she'd sensed years before Bella had chosen to come to Forks that at some point I would be facing this most bizarre trial. Oh my God. Okay, so do you remember, does, does it explain what kind of shirt this is, by the way? White like, cotton do- shirt. Okay, so no, it does not, is the answer. <laughs> um, let me find the description of the shirt in my book, because it is very funny. Uh, his white shirt was sleeveless, and he wore it unbuttoned, so that the smooth white skin of his throat flowed uninterrupted over the marble contours of his chest. He's wearing... <laughs> like a fucking pirate shirt he's wearing the fucking puffy seinfeld shirt like sleeveless unbuttoned shirt (laughs) oh my god alice is like alice is like picturing him as like a like a Harlequin romance novel character? Like, I don't know, maybe you'll need this. Maybe you'll need to look like Fabio one day. I don't know. <laughs> wow, her her tentacles reach so far into the future to bring me this fucking pirate shirt. How could she have known? Oh my god, you might you might get called up to be an extra in Black Sails one day. You should, you should get this shirt. Oh my god. It's so fucking funny. He's he's wearing like a Game of Thrones peasant shirt, just like <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. And so that that that. So when you said like oh, uh, when you when you were reading that quote of like oh, Alice was making sure that uh, we were we were in fashion, but we're covered up in case the uh, the the sun came out. Mission fucking failed on Alice's part here. Oh, have extremely. This- puffy sleeveless cotton shirt <laughs> well that's the whole point because he she knew without knowing that he would have to show off his his sparkly vampire body oh my god <laughs> i just i read that 
part and was just like, I don't have anything to say other than it's so weird. Yeah, that is on the level of like in the stupid Han Solo movie where they like explain why his name is Han Solo. That really like, <laughs> like, like uh, a tortured bit where the like the the crossing guard asks him whether he's traveling with anyone and he's like oh no i'm not it's just me and he says like hmm uh okay han solo uh or whatever <laughs> like this is just this is or this is puffy shirt origins written into midnight sun we had we had to get some lore for the shirt there's like some other stuff in here where he sort of thinks about how like easy it's like because he's wearing the shirt it's gonna be really easy for him to like get the shirt off to show off his sparkles or whatever and i'm just like what shirts are you wearing normally that are so hard to take off does he have a problem taking his shirt off (laughs) (laughs) is that difficult for him as a vampire like oh i keep maybe i don't know maybe he keeps ripping them on accident like he's super strong or whatever he keeps on like goku ripping them no because it's gone out of its way to say not only are they super strong but they have like more fine motor precision that they can like (laughs) Not, they can, like, <laughs> not break stuff, I guess. <laughs> also, as a complete aside, I got some more, like, sort of vampire power lore, which is that um, we knew that they can go faster than people, right? But yeah. they do all the time. Like, he's described as taking a shower, but he, like, does it super fast. He, like, does the Vampire Diaries super speed in the shower. It's the most uncool, unsexy thing I can imagine. (laughs) Very quickly taking a shower. Yeah, he just, like, he he moves at a slow speed for the benefit of humans, but if there weren't humans around, he just, like, moves at super speed. He just watches everything at 1.5 speed. That's so good. That's so funny. Oh, yeah, also like, got confirmation that he does think faster than humans. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. yep. Oh my god. <laughs> the the logistics. Not great. More confusing the more I hear about it, honestly. It is confusing. Um, there's another detail about the shirt that's that's very funny to me, is that uh uh Bella and Edward match when they meet up. Oh yeah, uh, they do, don't they? Um, they're both wearing so so like when he when he notices that they're matching, it's because they're both wearing like a tan sweater or like mm-hmm. like something like that. Um, but Bella also does mention at one point that she's wearing a sleeveless shirt. So I love the idea of both of them <laughs> taking their their like sweaters off and wearing the same they like terrible sleeveless shirts. Yeah, they both wore their pirate shirts. <laughs> yeah, they're made for each other. <laughs> I love them. They both sound like they have awful fashion sense, honestly, which is great. Like, I mean, I'm 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 with them. <laughs> like tans, tan, tan sweater and puffy white shirt. That just sounds <laughs> uncomfortable to wear. <laughs> I, oh, I they're love so them good. So much. They're awful. They're perfect for each other. They're both terrible. <laughs> oh, they're both goblin mode. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um. 
God, we, we gotta we've gotta hear all about Edward's Edward's flashback now, right? That's the, that's uh, the next yeah. Order I mean, business. they go hunting first, and the only thing I want to mention about that is that um, Edward kills a mountain lion um, that Alice picks out for him, but then she kills a baby deer. Oh <laughs> wow! Okay, Alice. So. I don't know. The hunting stuff is super weird to me. I have nothing to actually say about it, but it's bizarro. Is, um, when mm-hmm. this is a total free association thought here. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that Edward cracks a joke about WSU and the Cougars. Yeah. Is it when he says when he makes the joke? So you don't want to be a cougar? Is he joking? Is is this like last week where I'm unsure if this is a a, a dirty joke or not? Like, is he is he making a joke about cougars like milfs or is he making a joke about you don't want to be like a mountain lion that i eat that is a good question i did not make the mountain lion connection i'm positive it's not a dirty joke um i'm trying to find the the part in here but i have three chapters so yeah yeah no Um, no worries No, I I don't think that there's anything to it other than uh, Stephanie Meyer looked up Washington State schools <laughs> legitimately. Right, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was just curious. I was like, hmm, cougars have appeared in 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 some form or another in this book before, but I I didn't think of the mountain lion cougar parallel though. Mm-hmm. Interesting, but probably just silly. I I think that um. Where is WSU? Is it close to Forks? I can't remember. Uh, WSU uh, Pullman. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, so pretty close to Forks, isn't it? That that that's out in the woods. Uh, Pullman is. I don't have a great. I'm not. I'm not really a map person. <laughs> Pullman, Pullman, Washington. Let's uh, yeah. Hold on, going to maps. Pullman. Oh, right, hold on. Uh, okay, Pullman, Washington, and then directions. Oh, I'm s- literally opposite sides of the state. I just opened Google Maps, <laughs> like, hmm. Am I, am I right about this? I, I was not. Uh, literally. Yeah, no, just, it's. Uh, eight hour drive by car, according to, according to yeah. this. Okay. We're not real um, Eastern Washington heads, so. I am terrible at GeoGuessr. Yeah. I'm revealing here. So so yeah so probably probably not as connected a joke as 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 it might appear. No no. Alrighty, flashback All right. time. Flashback time. The moment we've all been waiting for. Edward, so Edward only. Yeah, this is. I guess it's not really a side quest since it's a flashback, but it feels like one. I guess I will talk um, just right at the top about like the overall like reason that we're getting this other than the really fun background of edward that we're getting and Mm -hmm. it is really um a little bit of a morality tale about um like how he knows that blood is not the like greatest greatest gift of the unlife it is actually love like he's he is um found something higher than like the base instincts of the vampire so some interesting interesting themes there but the actual like background is the uh is the fun part because we get this scene of um edward uh right after he'd been turned by carlisle and he's like going through and 
being around humans for the first time as a newborn vampire and he has to like try not to kill people um and we get like this sort of background of him more than anything else wanting to like live up to carlisle's expectations um and he's going for his like final trial uh which is his first time out um alone without carlisle like walking down the street around a bunch of humans uh and he's like all oh, he drank a bunch of animal blood first and he's like psyching himself up and he's like carlisle's gonna be so proud of me and all this stuff and he goes walking down the street and he gets back and he thinks about how proud carlisle's gonna be of him and he walks in and carlisle says hey merry christmas edward and he's put a tree up and it's christmas time so isn't that isn't that cute? <laughs> what a what an image. Yeah. yeah. Um so we get that um and then the sort of second part of this is Edward's first encounter with other vampires uh, other than Carlisle and they're out hunting in the woods um when all of a sudden he smells another vampire for the first time um and Carlisle's like no it's chill um this is the uh two-person coven um of like two irish vampires um and they uh meet up with them and like carlisle and um this other vampire they like hug um and uh this other vampire's deal is is that she's like really interested in vampires who have special powers right like like Edward can read minds and all, mm -hmm. all this stuff. And so um, she has her like vampire girl with her who um, knows a lot of stuff. I think it's like a little bit ambiguous what her power is. Um, but, but essentially it's like sort of drawing this like contrast between Carlisle who like t has turned Edward out of like the goodness of his heart into like create a family and doesn't actually care about Edward's gift. And this more mercenary vampire who's a little bit more inhuman, drinks human blood, mm. um, is, is like, is a little bit evil. Right. But, but she does, um, say the thing yeah. about like, oh, poor, but he, she says it in her mind. So she's like, oh, poor Edward. He'll never know the greatest joy, uh, that a vampire can have. Hmm. Interesting. That, that it's a lot of, it's a lot of lore. Yeah. Like it doesn't sound, the, the thing is, is your summary there is very interesting. Yeah. Um, because of the bullet points it lays out for like vampire lore and morality and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing that I am sensing is perhaps that it is just as interesting as a summary uh, as it is as a full chapter of a novel. <laughs> you know what I mean? As in like, absolutely, the information is the interesting part and perhaps not the way it's delivered. Nope. It, it is. There's a part of me that's like, it kind of rocks, right? I'm like, happy to uh, meet some other vampires, um, happy to have a scene that wasn't an original Twilight, mm -hmm. uh, happy to learn some background about Edward, I suppose. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah, there, it's it, it, just, it just is. It's bullet points. And like, they are interesting bullet points, but they're like, it... it <laughs> You know, writing writing out your note cards to hit first when you're writing, like, that's a good habit, right? Like, like mm -hmm. these are the major things that I want to be expressed and, and, and touched on in this piece of writing. Um, 
but the full piece of writing needs to like add something more right and this this feels so tailored to like filling out fan wikis if that makes sense like it's 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 interesting information to discover but like the act of reading it sounds like a bit of a slog because it it really is just like here's the information yeah yeah it it is a fan wiki is like a great way to put put it in that it is just that bullet point and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened um but it doesn't really matter to anything and i think that the like conclusion that it builds up to which is literally edward loves bella and that is a greater joy to him than human blood would be mm-hmm. um and then to have alice just call on the phone or whatever like call in his mind phone and be like 80 20 edward good job keep thinking what you're <laughs> thinking is just like such a letdown yeah. of a conclusion i guess because it's just like okay what am i getting all this lore for and the answer is that it's fan service that isn't for me yeah th- this almost feels like because like i i do think it does sound like it's a pretty nice closed loop and that it's like it's trying to express like a specific thing about Edward's decision, right? Mm-hmm. But it feels like more like a short story or a vignette rather than a chapter in a long novel, right? Like, which I kind of appreciated, mm-hmm. right? Because of how because of the slog that Midnight Sun has been, it's like I will take a different kind of slog if that makes <laughs> sense. Sure, yeah. It's like new characters and stuff, and it it does like answer it it answers literal questions, right? I guess that's like one of the th- again, it's like someone raising their hand at Comic Con and saying like, "Hey, what made Edward um go through his Dexter period, and why did he stop?" And then this is the literal answer yeah. to that, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's just it's interesting, but it is not necessary, I guess, or it like the the way it's written doesn't make it vital right it doesn't it doesn't hit on that thing that like makes it an interesting chapter to read in a broader story i guess mm-hmm. which is too bad because it's like the info sound like like you know it it is the stuff i want to see from characters right like uh, seeing them meeting people like oh carlisle's sending up a christmas tree that honestly has a lot of implications i feel um yeah, like, I mean that's probably the thing worth talking about, right? This is an abstinence story. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Carlisle Carlisle is setting up a Christmas tree. He vampire is a Christmas. Vampire. Yeah, Vampire Christmas. I would love to read all about Vampire Christmas. If that was a chapter we got in there, I would love to know all of what like what what Stephanie Meyer would consider like what, 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 yeah, what do vampires do for, I mean, like, vampires being Christian at all is such a wild <laughs> idea, right? Like, even, yeah. even in this world, like, Twilight, as we have sort of discussed a lot, it, it goes out of its way to make the vampires not tri- typical vampires, right? Like, all, all of the classic myths are, are, are bunk, according to this, uh, um, uh, it's it's like a more scientific vampire. They're really more like superheroes who, who eat guys. But like, it, nonetheless, it is still vampire fiction. And right. no matter how much you change, I feel like the image of a vampire just like willingly celebrating Christmas is like, I wouldn't even say bad, right? It's just like, I want to know more about that, right? Like, 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 that's the question I am left with after this, not... Not why did uh, 
why did Edward go Dexter mode? Yeah, I mean, it's it almost touches on it, too, because Edward is going on this this walk where he's like, I'm gonna not kill anybody on this my trial, right? And he he notices that it's Christmas while he's out and about. And mm. his he has like this sort of fleeting thought where he's like, I see everyone celebrating Christmas, but that's not really my life anymore. But it has no <laughs> melancholy. It's not like, oh, I'm sad. He's just like, I'm a vampire now. So yeah. this isn't really I I like this isn't about me. And then he goes home and it's like Merry Christmas, Edward. Um which again seems to loop back into, at least in my mind, the like sort of very conservative like um family values stuff is like, yes. oh I you know, I become I am I am good because this is what I have in my life. I'm not yes. saying that can't make for a good story. No. In no. this case, I don't think it does either. It's it's kind of nothing. Well, it's just um, it's just on the nose in in, in in and and um that is like the be all end all of like the moral, right? It is not it is not how like like on it like 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 just thinking about it, the idea of a story about like a religious vampire or like a very <laughs> religious person who becomes a vampire and like finds himself you know maintaining or returning to their religion right like that's a fascinating character study right uh but this sounds like it is like well the christmas tree is just like the symbol right like he like 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 the 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 upshot of the story is he still has like christian values or whatever in his life he he still right. has uh and and that's that it's not an exploration of that it is just a simple fact like ah the Christmas tree is here. Carlisle, Carlisle is good. And, and, Carlisle and, is his dad now. And and we dust our hands of it and move on, right? And it's like, that's just right. a, little, that's a little disappointing. Right, because we never get anything. You know, Edward has the thought, oh, I'm not really part of this world anymore. But he doesn't, like, think anything about it. And when he goes and it's Christmas, he doesn't think about, like, oh, I am part of this world. What does that mean to me? Yeah. Yeah. It just is. It just is. It it is it is the negative version of the uh it is what it is depiction of like Bella's family, right? Like mm -hmm. like I, I love a good it is what it is, no judgments thing, but like <laughs> this is like I, all I have is questions like, whoa, hold on. Does Carlisle go to church? Like Yeah, because this isn't grounded, like, right? There it's like, yeah. man, you're a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does this mean to you? This is like, this is alien territory, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'd be so interested to know. Um, uh, y you know, this is funny. I watched an interview with Stephanie Meyer not too long ago um, that I didn't really think too much of. Like, I, I was like looking for third segment stuff, right? Mm hmm. Um, and it did, it didn't, didn't really seem like it had much, much value. It was just like, uh, here, you know, we ask, ask this author 10 questions, but there was one question that I'm remembering now that actually feels relevant here, which is the interviewer did ask, um, and this, because this was an interview, not about Twilight, but about the host, her mm -hmm. sci-fi novel. Um, and the, and the interviewer was like, oh, like. This is a story about human life on other planets. I I, I noticed some parallels with like Mormon cosmology. How how purposeful is that? Mm -hmm. Um, and Stephanie Meyer actually had a very interesting answer to this, which is which was when I'm writing, I don't 
consciously think about my religion. Um, I'm, you know, I don't think that fiction is, uh, uh, a place to like look for role models or, or, or moral advice. But then she also says, however, a lot of people tell me that and any, any religion, any religious takeaways in my writing, uh, must be, um, uh, unconscious on my part. Um, because it's part part of who I am, right? And I just found that like c- kind of like incredibly self aware on her part. Yeah, much more self aware than I might have expected from Stephanie Meyer as an author. And and like hearing stuff like what you're talking about in Midnight Sun is very interesting to contrast with that interview answer. I'm like, huh? Because that feels very purposeful. Like, oh, here's the symbol of the Christmas tree. This is this is telling you this exactly but she you know she she claims to to not write like that i i 100% believe her in saying that like i but i cannot think of a more like if this flashback scene was released as a short story on her website or mm-hmm. something and it was like here's my twilight christmas story right. and it was like an on purpose morality tale about like abstinence and love mm-hmm. and uh, and you know i'd be like i mean the themes couldn't come through stronger than right. they do right yeah yeah i mean like i i guess in that in that sort of case like the self awareness only goes as far as like well i didn't do that on purpose but even if you're not doing it on purpose conjuring up the image of like ah a good way to end this little tale is carlisle putting up a christmas tree like that that is that unconsciously coming through right in a very mm-hmm. on the nose way um, i mean honestly it's sort of it's similar to what feels like her very good character work that i feel like she just stumbles into completely <laughs> right. by accident i mean i think that um writing you know strong uh thematic stuff whether i agree with it or not um is a challenging thing to do and it seems to come very naturally to her so i'll give her credit for that yeah yeah it's weird it, it it's it it's hard to deny that it's like an interesting image and it, and it makes me ask a lot of questions about Carlisle and about the vampires. But at the same time, because it is, it is presented so matter of factly as like, and this is the, this is the moral of our tale. Right. I'm like, wait, hold on. The moral of your tale is that the fucking vampires are Christian. Whoa, hold on. I want to know more about this. Right. Like, holy and shit. That's why they're good. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and unfortunately that's sort of like the, actual answer right is that like this is and this is the uh that that's all you're meant to take from it whereas like i i just have so many questions about that concept like like, holy fuck a religious vampire and i i don't think it's reading too much into it all this stuff about blood and um and love and all of this stuff and that blood without love uh isn't actually the greatest pleasure um that you can have i'm like come on (laughs) Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like very hard to not read it that way when, like, I think the sort of, like, this is not the first vampire story to draw a link between, like, the carnal, like, uh, uh, act of, like, eating and drinking blood or whatever and, and, like, domination over someone and, and, like, sex, right? Like, not nowhere near the first vampire story to do that. And, like, that 
yeah, it, it's it, for for as much sanding off as like of, of classic vampire tropes as she has done uh, uh, consciously. Like that one is a biggie that you just can't get around, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, that 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 feels pretty inherent here. Yeah, I mean, I think that her unintentionality um, ends up. We end up in some pretty weird territory too, mm-hmm. because the the. The parallel to me is so clear here to do this morality tale that is, in my opinion, about abstinence, like, like, very, very clearly that comes through so strong. Um, But to have that kind of playing in parallel to this other story about how Edward has to risk killing her to love her is bizarre. Yeah. And I th- and I do I'm like I think this is a all out of completely unintentional like plotting, I guess, but it it does create for a a really <laughs> strange troubling uh story um, yeah. that I would think could be very cool and dark in a way but again the unintentional uh sort of naivete uh makes it just really strange it's 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 hard to parse something like this that's contemporary right Mm -hmm. there are tons of um very very christian authors that i find fascinating because they stumble into this stuff uh, uh accidentally hundreds of years ago right <laughs> sure um uh where whereas like it, it's 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 easy to read that and go like well it was such a different time in you know the 1600s or whatever right like reading milton or whatever and going like this this is sure stumbling into some like homoeroticism on accident in some interesting ways right and like <laughs> um but like with with Stephanie Meyer, it's interesting reading this because it's it's a very similar thing, but it's happening now in real time, um, and it, they, like I have to process that a little differently, right? Um, yeah. On the other hand, though, you're right. I mean, why would why couldn't someone contemporary stumble ac- across right. the same stuff, right? Because because when Milton did that in the 1600s, it was contemporary to them, you know, right? Like to, to, yeah. to that audience. So, but but it is a very similar thing of like. Like, uh, uh, it, it is fascinating to read authors and, you know, Stephanie Meyer does seem or at least claim to be self-aware of, of like how her religion affects her writing, um, or, or that it does, maybe not how it does. Right. Um, uh, but, um, Nonetheless, it still does in some ways where I'm like, like the, the the friction that I find interesting is not so much the part where, um, oh, I can see, I can see that she's religious and that that is coming through in the story. It's more the part where, like, like you're pointing out, where, um, I know she's religious. I know it comes through in the story, but there are some parts where clearly something else is bumping up against this. In a way that she didn't notice or couldn't find a way to get around, right? And, like, that's the juicy stuff. That's the part where I'm like, huh, how, what do I make of this? What, what, what? Right, because there are some, like, facts of the plot that it's almost like they, 
it's like she doesn't want them to have any implications, mm-hmm. but they super do. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, 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 the parts where Edward, um, you know, debunks all of the vampire myths, right? Like that, that feels now after hearing some of this stuff so plainly and obviously an attempt to like get out ahead of exactly this problem right Mm -hmm. but not successfully like 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 still impossible to uh uh divorce the like the um the ideas of um like what what vampires often represent and the sort of strange abstinence romance that she has concocted here and the weird ways that it isn't one of those as well or like or like isn't it doesn't end up serving the moral up that it it it's clearly trying to right like mm-hmm. yeah interesting stuff yeah it really is i mean it there's a fascination of returning to this well over and over again of Edward being a physical danger to Bella, mm-hmm. so much so that the odds are 80 20 uh, by <laughs> Alice's estimation. Right. Um, and and I think the fascination that she has with that idea, like you said, bumps up against this other stuff in a very interesting way. Because the danger is still part of the appeal there, right? Right. And that's the part that, that you can't get around is that, like, even if the moral of this is that, like, oh, well, of course he's going to do vampire abstinence, right? Um, yeah. Like, that's the moral, but the excitement of the story hinges on the part well, where maybe he won't, and maybe he will give in, and that's the danger, and that's, and like, that's the, like, it, it, the ending being oh, don't worry, he he stays ch- he vampire chased, ultimately <laughs> doesn't matter because that's like one little blip in a story that is like 900 pages of, but what if he didn't, you know? Right, right. And like, that's the excitement. That's where the, that's where the tension comes from. And that's where the fantasy lies is in the like, but what if he didn't, you know? It'd be kind of hot if he didn't. And so like that, that is such an interesting thing to wrestle with, I feel, as a, as a religious author and, 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 and wrestling with in a story where you are still going like, no, look, Carlisle put up a Christmas tree. He's good. And it's like, but the, but the fun part is what if, you know, what if, what if they didn't, they're fucking dangerous. You know, they, they have superpowers. Right. What if he ripped her? Oh, wouldn't that be hot? And it's like, well, okay. I'm getting mixed messages here. Then, because, <laughs> cause, cause you're not writing a story about the, um, the the merits and process of being chased you are writing a story about the thrill of maybe not being chased and so that's interesting isn't that isn't that delicious yeah that's that and 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 like you know that that is again similar to like what i find so fascinating about a lot of religious art um is is like this almost like uh uh unconscious like uh, 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 constant thread of like, well, yeah, everything works out religiously in the end, but for 99% of the story, the crux of it is, wouldn't it be cool if I didn't, you know, <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. that's, the, 
that's the that's the fascinating part throughout so much of like literary history right and and seeing yeah. a contemporary version of that is like huh wow that's wild like seeing it not through a historical lens but through a contemporary one I wish I could find the exact quote, but I think that there is one from Stephanie Meyer um, where she got a little bit prickly about being asked um, about like the Christian themes or rather like, is it a Christian story Mm -hmm. Um, where she she said something like you don't ask other authors this, which like one, (laughs) it's not true at all. Um, But it's just I'm like, like this, it's got themes. You yeah. can't deny it. Yeah, it's got themes and and and, and ha- how much of it is like her intentionally walking the line and indulging in this fantasy and like claiming that it's unintentional and how much of it truly is just unintentional, right? Like like that is the core uh, uh conflict that I will forever find fascinating about this kind of thing is like how much do you know about what you're writing really, right? Like Mm-hmm. Oh. Perhaps I'll write an essay about this. I think I'm <laughs> going to call it "Death of the Author." <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah, huh? So in- a very interesting chapter that isn't very interesting, I guess. Oh yeah, interesting to talk about. Yes, not very interesting to read. <laughs> uh, oh, what's left? I guess just there, just there trek to the meadow at this point yeah right? i thought i was like well and that's it and then i remember that no. there's more somehow <laughs> yeah no i mean there's there's really not much right is that they they drive um to the uh to the to the meadow although i will say I, the num- this is the first time i think there has been a successful reveal in midnight sun that complements something in twilight and makes it more interesting hmm. um because Bella makes the decision last minute to sort of, like, cover her tracks. And she tells both Charlie and Jessica, who were the two people who knew that she was hanging out with um, Edward on Saturday, uh, uh, that um, actually they're not going out. And they're not they're not doing anything Saturday. She is just going to be at home doing laundry and running errands in town. And, and, and you know, don't, don't look after me, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And Edward reacts really badly to this in twilight and he's like so nobody knows where you are like okay so what like if something happens to you if i go vampire mode on you like nobody's gonna find out like you're you're kind of serving yourself up on a platter for me here right and like that's a um like that that's a moment that's like interesting but like in in this book just in a vacuum it feels it, it it crosses over too too heavily into like uh, Edward isn't sexy he's just like kind of scary here right like he's yeah just, he's, that's a little he, 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 the the way the the dialogue that he has here is a little too because the thing is it's not like it's not like he's being like like seductive or playful when he when he like says that he's like he, he's in grumpy like <laughs> guy slamming doors too hard mode again you know what yeah, I mean yeah yeah absolutely um. Uh, are you so depressed by Forks that it's made you suicidal? He demanded when I ignored him. Like, he's just being a jerk here. And just, yeah, not not sexy. But I will say, um, his reaction is a bit more understandable now that I know 
that he's had like this stuff with Alice and like been thinking about this stuff with Carlisle, I guess, right? Where it's like he he is he is all too aware of how tempted he is being, right? It's like right. that that kind of makes that stuff work a little better for me. But in in the vacuum in Twilight, it's still just like ugh, he's really unsexy here. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a little. It is served well by um, it being like an inevitable future mm-hmm. vibe. Yes. I suppose. So yeah, that works way better than his like being threatening for no reason. <laughs> whenever they're in a car, I guess she's driving at this point, but still, whenever they're in a car and he's like getting really pissed off at her, it's too close to like. It's remember when we were reading after, and so much of after was him was was. Uh, harry styles being a dick in the car right oh it's how like, could uh, i forget this is this is just like not fun to read this is too close to home uh but uh that, that, i think that's the first kind of coloring in that midnight sun has done where i'm like ah okay i get this reaction a little more now you know mm-hmm. um uh but uh that's kind of the meat really of, of what's left in my my chapter because once they get to the trail, it turns out they're not following the trail at all. He's gonna like lead her through the dark woods, uh, and, and <laughs> we get the scene where he takes off his sweater and reveals his pirate shirt, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm obsessed with the shirt. The, the, the shirt. So not <laughs> the shirt being a pirate shirt is one thing. Stephanie Meyer not not mentioning in Midnight Sun that this is in fact a puffy pirate shirt is really funny to me. It's like white cotton shirt. <laughs> I think it mentions that it has buttons, which made me like sort of picture like a linen. Yeah. Sh- but I mean, it's not linen, it's cotton. <laughs> but there's almost like a twinge of embarrassment there, like uh no commentary on whether <laughs> it looks like a pirate shirt with those sleeves or not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, luckily he doesn't have to feel awkward since Bella was wearing the same shirt. They were wearing, they were both wearing a tan sweater and a pirate shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Um, And uh, they, they walk through the woods. They sort of, they sort of enjoy, enjoy nature. She's terrible at walking. And then it ends with him, uh, taking a deep breath and stepping out into the bright glow of the the midday sun in this meadow that they've come across. Wow. Wow. And so I I know I I was hooting and hollering when I got to this part and I was sad that that's where the chapter ended cuz I know what's fucking coming now. Oh yeah. I, it's fucking sparkle time. It's sparkle time. Everyone's this this might be the moment that set everyone into a frenzy. Yeah, this is when this is when everyone started hooting and hollering about Twilight. But and so I'm excited <laughs> to read about the sparkles. But uh, alas, not this week. No sparkles this week. Question for you. Yes. When Bella gets upset about not going on the trail, mm-hmm. is there any reason for that other than her just like not wanting to go hiking, not on a trail? Um, that's kind of it, really. Uh, uh, the trail panic was clear in my voice as I hurried around the truck to catch up to him. I said there was a trail at the end of the road, not that we were taking it. No trail, I asked desperately. I won't let you get lost. He turned, and then with a mocking smile, uh, I stifle the gasp. That's when he takes off his shirt and he goes pirate mode. 
but yeah, no, it's uh, I'm not a very good hiker. You'll have to be very patient. She's very slow. She doesn't like going off off the trail. That That's basically it, it seems like. Edward is very, like, perplexed about why she's so upset. And I was so curious if there was, like, something else to it. Because he's like, no way she could just be so upset about going not being on the trail. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. There's no... She's not like, oh my god, he really is going to murder me in the woods or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, she's not... She, there's no moment where she's having second thoughts. It seems purely to be... Like, oh, I have no balance. I'm gonna walk really slow. I can't see anything. It, it, very, very internal. Not, not like, oh, I'm having bad feelings about going out, not on a trail with you. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah. yeah. Edward is very melodramatic during all of this because obviously it's his big lead up to his trial, but also he's like anticipating her being horrified by his uh, sparkly body. But. <laughs> How um, could she possibly be horrified know. by seeing a guy dress up like a pirate sparkle? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, is there anything, any, any like interesting revelations on your end of this conversation, or like, does, is is it basically the same? Because this is a lot of lead up to a real cliffhanger in my chapter. Um, but not not much meat here, other than the conversation yeah. they had about uh, uh, not telling anyone where she was. Yeah, no revelations. Edward is just being very tortured, mm -hmm. um, uh, very up on the cross uh, <laughs> for sure. But nothing, maybe nothing that's, novel. Maybe that's why they're religious. <laughs> that must be why. Because they're getting up on the cross all the time. They're the most betrayed vampires in the world. <laughs> Who can be the most Jesus-like among us in this vampire family? <laughs> they misunderstood the assignment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, like a big build-up, and I'm very excited to get to the sparkles, but but not not much happening here on, on my no. end. Yeah. No. Um, well, in that case, it sounds like it might be time for us to calculate boyfriend points. What do you say? Excellent, yes. Okay, this will be a, kind of a tough one, I guess, because, like, they weren't, they weren't interacting much. No, not really. Um, so he's starting from the position of negative 460. He was kind of treading water last week. Mm -hmm. Um, how, what, what's a standout plus or minus here? What do you, what do you, where do you, where do you think we should start? Um, introduce Bella to his hot sister. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Bella was real. Yeah, she's she's infatuated with Alice in a way that was very funny. Um, that shows confidence, I guess. He's like he's not worried that Alice is going to steal Bella. Yeah, com confident move. Plus ten. Sure. Plus ten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we look. He's got to get points any way he can at this point. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's always good to introduce uh, introduce your girlfriend to your your family, right? That's true. Your family who is not your family. Your, your family who is in a is Alice in the is Alice the sister wife or is that yeah Rosalie? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alice is married to Jasper. Right. Yes. Okay. Plus ten. Introducing Bella to family. 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna head off the big negative here. Sure. Um. Uh. He's uh, no good in the car. He he's scary in the car. Um. And he's has, he has a problem with doing this a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not good. <laughs> Uh, that feels like a biggie, honestly. It's a, or maybe not too well. Hmm. Because I guess I guess I do understand him a little more after hearing Midnight Sun's uh, words and deeds explanation for this behavior. But <laughs> right, it's still you know it's still no fun. Uh, I don't know, like minus twenty on that one. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, minus twenty bummer in the car. Um. Okay. Really important one. <laughs> Truck logistics. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> How do we divvy this one up? I mean, I guess our our overall, right? He did get her car so and ensure that she was able to get home from school. <laughs> okay, so is that like a, a plus? solemn duty? A solemn duty of a boyfriend get, getting your car. Um yeah, that's a way to spin it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> plus ten. Give him, give him plus ten for that one. Plus ten. Didn't have to walk home from school. Did follow through on the car thing. Um, do we then give him my... So, wh- how did that end up in the end? Did he just go and get it out of her jeans? Like, what? No, Alice did. Oh, Alice she did. Had, right. Okay, here's <laughs> negative 10 for um, being able to smell her on metal, but having her <laughs> sister get the keys anyway. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So this is a net zero. That's it. That, yeah, yeah, this is zero. Minus 10 made Alice get the keys. <laughs> After all of that. I mean, like, to be fair, I probably still would have... Hmm. Well, Bella did... There was that, that line where she's like, I, I could sense that he noted the challenge in my consent or whatever. So like Bella was like, okay, yeah, sure. Try and get my keys. So that, that that's, I can't, I guess I couldn't get mad at him for like going in her room or whatever, but making Alice do it is so funny. Like. <laughs> and ridiculous. Oh, I guess it was the laundry room. I guess it was, I guess it didn't need to be uh, her own room, but, but still very funny. To just <laughs> have this whole insane long logistical conversation for no real reason then have alice do it like alice can you go rummage around in my girlfriend's jeans and find my find her key <laughs> <laughs> very good um okay so net zero there um does she not touch any other things that are metal in the house <laughs> Like, oh, I thought the key was over there, but it was a doorknob. Uh, Damn it. She's, she's always touching, like, doorknobs and cooking Pots utensils. And yeah, yeah. yeah. The forks and. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of metal with Bella's scent on it, surely. Um, uh, let's see. What else? What else? I guess it's mostly up to like, what he did in your chapters this week, because he, he wasn't there for much of mine. I mean, he's going to rise to the trial, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to reveal his sparkly body mm-hmm. to Bella. That's the important thing. Um, and and with all of the warnings and the odds, do we, do we, we consider that a positive still, I think, right? Like, he's going to... 
I think you have to consider it a positive when there is a supernatural future, like, yeah. you must do this proclamation, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's, like, the premise of the story, right? Is that he's gonna take this risk, so... So we gotta give him credit for following through on the premise of the story. Okay, so how much do we give him for that? This seems pretty big, right? Yeah, that's a that's a 25-er for sure. Okay, plus 25, uh, following through... On the premise of the book. <laughs> um, huh. Anything else? Like, like, does the flashback count? Because the thing is, in the flash, like, he does learn about the power of love in the flashback. But he was not considering Bella in those moments, because it's before he moved the forks, right? So... Yeah, I mean, at the end of the flashback, he's like... Bella makes me a better person, mm-hmm. right? Is sort of okay. his conclusion. So I guess that's nice. That's a that, okay. I mean, kind of putting a lot on her, but okay, you know. Yeah. It is. It's uh, yeah. That's. I was gonna say a not great for a high schooler, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess he's mentally a high schooler, right? That's what we've been told. Yeah, I think that's a net zero overall. That, that yeah that, okay that feels like maybe yeah i just mostly i feel like it just doesn't count because it's a flashback right it's hard to give points for a flashback yeah yeah because like i could give points like he he did the walk and didn't kill anybody so that's pretty good but i don't know it just seems out of the jurisdiction yeah not that not part of the the current the current event you know what i mean mm-hmm. um okay anything else i think that's pretty much it for like edward events this chapter uh yeah i don't think that he had much but um i have an exciting question Ooh, okay does jacob get any boyfriend points Ooh. hmm um i need to think about this just because jacob jacob rocks in this chapter he's really fun um mm-hmm. But I don't think that he's, if he is gunning for Bella at this moment, he's doing a very good job of playing it off like he isn't. You know what I mean? Like So he's playing it cool. He's playing it very cool. And I think that that, yeah, see, the thing is, you could, you could give him points for that. Um, but I don't think he has stated any kind of intent yet. Um, okay. Uh, and I'm kind of wondering if maybe we need to hold off until he does but then again playing it cool i think that is you know that is part of the that's part of the boyfriend thing right that's part of the boyfriend game so maybe maybe we do kind of give him a head start here we could give him like some uh points to be determined like we could give him points and then if it turns out later he was playing it cool yeah then we can like finalize we can put the stamp on we're gonna yes he can these bank were boyfriend points. points we're gonna bank some yeah. points here okay yeah 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 uh good call okay so jacob uh parentheses banked points <laughs> yeah okay um so he's starting at zero. So already a huge advantage over Edward currently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but what do we what do we give? What 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 do we potentially give for like playing it cool? You know what's? Oh, that's like a that's like a ten, yeah, right? Yeah. 
plus 10, playing it cool with Bella. Okay. Yeah, and that's kind of all he really gets to do this chapter, so not much, but, like, you're right. I think if it turns out that he is, that you know, that he was playing the long game here and he was playing it cool here, yeah, that would count. That would count. Yeah, yeah. So bank, yeah, banking points. I, 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 I like this. I like this, this, uh, uh, this, this mechanic. This seems good. Mm -hmm. um, okay, shall we calculate and compare? Let's do it. Okay, so Edward was starting at negative four hundred and sixty. Um, then he gained ten, lost twenty, gained ten, <laughs> lost ten, <sighs> and gained. 25. Oh, he, so he is back to the week before last week's score. He is sitting at negative 445 points again. Great. So he, he made up the ground that he lost last week. I mean, not much, but he still is trending forward. And Jacob is, you know, he's not in the game yet, but he is cutting, sitting at a banked 10 points which uh, currently puts him well <laughs> ahead. Of, well ahead of of uh, of, of uh, Edward. So <laughs> good to know. Close race. Yeah, just keeping score. You know, who knows? Who knows where things stand later? But for now, Jacob uh, uh, clearly in the lead. But then again, it is banked points. So so I guess he's like in the lead, but not in the race, really. Interesting. Right, but even if he enters the race, he'll be at zero. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, so... At the least, yeah, so... so he will still be well... Significantly ahead. ahead. <laughs> doing nothing seems to be better than Edward's <laughs> doing stuff. Yeah. yeah, fuck me. All right, well, I think we should take a quick break. <laughs> what do you say? All right, all right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, this might be a very fashion-forward episode. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about the, uh, the shirt in Twilight, um, a bunch this chapter, and, uh, I thought, what better way to round this one out than by returning to something that we haven't gotten a chance to do for a while. Uh, how about we check in on Black Milk? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, there's th This will be nice, short and sweet. We've had a long episode here, but they have a new combination lookbook and quiz for us Thank to go God. through. Um, that I thought might be fun to check out. Uh very thematically appropriate for Twilight, I think. It's called The Forgotten. Ooh. Uh, and it's a, it's a very gothic look. Um, for anyone who has not heard a uh, Black Milk episode before, they are a company that does, like, fast fashion stuff that we found because they did, um, like, Harry Potter character sports jerseys at one point. <laughs> Yep. Uh, you are, in fact, the proud owner 
of a Snape jersey. Very proud. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but they they uh, just have these delightful lookbooks advertising their products, which are uh, uh, photos of people wearing the clothes with very melodramatic uh, uh, captions and stories to go along with them. And also quizzes, we discovered recently. So uh, <laughs> shall we do, do you want to popcorn read this one? How do you want to go through The Forgotten? Yeah, let's read it together. Okay. So, starting at the top, this is The Forgotten. Uh, it's so long since we saw the sun, I'm sure its light has forgotten our faces. Um, the picture that goes with this chapter, or this line. Yeah. Obviously, foreground, um, two ladies wearing some gothic-looking uh, dresses. Who is that portrait in the background? Uh, oh, we can, hold on, can I zoom in enough? That's what I'm trying to do. I need to open it in, like, a new... E.L. Smith-Hollis. E.L. Smith-Hollis. Uh, who is that? Not anyone I can find, actually. E.L. Smith-Hollis. This must be, like... I'm assuming this is, like, a family house that they rented to, you know, that was, like, a big gothic mansion or whatever. Maybe this is just someone's grandpa, I guess. <laughs> okay. That's e fine. E.L. Smith Hollis does not get me any Google results at all. This is... Okay, so we already have an exciting mystery. <laughs> Who is uh... <laughs> E.L. Smith Hollis? <laughs> He's got a very powerful mustache. Yeah, yeah, um... All right, so let me let me jump back to the lookbook here. Um, the next line is, Just as we have forgotten many things, Ooh. ellipsis. She's going ghost mode in this, in this picture. Yeah, another mysterious portrait behind her as well. Yeah, no name on this one, though, unfortunately. Okay, next picture. Uh, <laughs> really escalating the fashion here, I feel. Oh, that is a huge... Huge jacket with um, what looks like shoulder pads yeah. and three belts. Three belts around the middle. That's like a harness. <laughs> that is that is a look. This is a this is a JRPG uh, outfit for sure. Oh, one hundred percent. So just as we have forgotten many things, but never the sound of her voice. Ooh, Ooh spooky. Or the music that once filled these halls. Uh, another harness on display here. Another harness that looks like the, uh, the clasp is also three belts. <laughs> three belts on the harness! This is another one that looks like a JRPG outfit. This is, like, for the gunner class, you know? They'd have, like, oh, yeah. two big pistols sticking out of this thing. 100%. Uh, what a material are those stockings made out of, by the way? I assume it's the same material that all of this has, which... <laughs> Looks not appealing to touch at all. <laughs> uh, that now can only be heard as an echo. Uh, these these ghost mode pictures do not showcase the fashion very well. No, I. This is like it a, has like a motion blur on it. Yeah, that's like a nightgown, I think, and I think there's like some sort of skeleton motif on it, but it's really hard to tell. 
I guess we can see it in the next one, which is animated, by the way. It feels as though we've walked these halls a thousand times. Wait, I recognize... Huh. Who did the art for this? And were they credited? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hmm, I recognize that art, I think. Blackmoke would never do this. I will have to look into that. That seems... Maybe they did. Maybe they did get permission, but I feel like I've seen this artist's work elsewhere before. Hmm, interesting. Um, next, uh, someone on the stairs. What is going? Oh my god, are those flaming CGI skulls on that dress? I uh, can't tell. I will have to zoom in. I do see the three belts. <laughs> the three however, belts are back. I hope you can buy the belts. We ta- we we discovered one time that the like belt stuff that was featured in the lookbook was not in fact for sale uh, on this website. That was like yeah, for the Zelda. Yeah. Oh wait, no, the Zelda one was a Zelda branded like bust harness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. That one was real. That one you could buy. Um, yeah, these are flaming skulls. On this cool. dress. That, that's pretty cool. That's a cool pattern. Uh, and climbed stairs by the millions. So they've walked through the halls a thousand times and climbed the stairs by the millions. So it sounds, sounds like they're spending a lot of time on the stairs. Yeah, uh, they're going up and down these stairs. They're getting their steps in. Um, though strangely, our footsteps seem to now be silent. Ooh. Um, a leather... Slash Mylar skirt and a very tastefully ripped top that has a rip uh, right in the cleavage zone. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, I mean, I'm not a fashion person. It doesn't look uh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, What about this full body stocking here with the caption? Looks great. Be good, she told us, or you will be punished. Ooh. Ooh. Uh Uh-oh. We'll we'll make you wear the weird body stocking. <laughs> Sometimes her words became become screams in our minds. Ooh, spooky! And she's dancing in like motion blur vision. This is good. Uh oh, a whole dress made out of that material I was talking about. Um, Absolutely, and and the signature three belts, which I think is what this whole story is about. The three belts, and also like. The catechist staff is here. I see that. Uh, I've <laughs> we're going for like a EMT gothic here. It feels like <laughs> uh, because now it seems our punishment has indeed come. They're looking very sultry about it. Yeah. Oh, I hate being punished in in my castle that I'm in. In the form of an eternity. Ooh, and uh, she's wearing a she's wearing a skeleton onesie here. Very spooky. Uh-huh. Yeah. Trapped as time kept turning without us. Uh, I like this cape. Yeah, this cool lace cape. That's all right. Again with the catechist staff motif, though. Hmm. I don't really understand that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about the uh, pentagram straps on the dress below this one in the next this picture? This is sick. I would wear this. Yeah, this is this is pretty cool. Uh, what's the caption on there? Where's where? Uh, As dust collected in rooms once full of life. Aha! Uh-huh. 
Okay, yeah, it was it was not showing me that for a second there. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, again, the three belts, the artists that I will have to double check and see if they were aware of this uh, <laughs> col- collab, and precious metals become worn and tarnished. In truth, this house was always our prison. Ooh. The prison of four belts now. <laughs> oh, fuck, she's got four belts. You get another belt every time you get punished. Mm-hmm. Our confinement began centuries ago. Yeah, we've got the same skeleton pattern, but this time on some overalls, overalls. instead of a instead of a onesie. Those are some cool, like, high heel, like, like, they're like a school uniform shoe, but with like a big goth stomper base. That's all right. That's yeah, cool. I wear those with the like pentagram dress, yeah, which we can see from the front here. Uh, and even our deaths didn't free us. Yeah, that's fucking sick. I'm kind of into the pentagram dress. I gotta say, pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you, Black Milk. <laughs> Very spooky. Uh, shall we take the quiz that goes along with this one? Oh, I'm dying to know what it could possibly be. Is it how many belts will I end up wearing? <laughs> well, how many belts will you have? Well, it's sort of because, you know, well, it, that was a very vague lookbook story for Black Milk. Normally they're a little more, uh, uh, you know, a little wordier. Um, but the <laughs> quiz that goes along with this one uh, just kind of spells it out. What kind of ghost will you become is the name of this quiz. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, what kind of ghost are we going to be? Uh, you know the choices you make can have a great effect on your life, but did you know that they can affect your afterlife as well? Take our haunting (laughs) quiz to find out what kind of ghost you will be. Sure. What kind of ghost will you become? Question one. It's your birthday. What kind of party will you throw? Uh, wow, okay. I did not know that the kind of birthday party I have will affect my... My what kind of ghost you'll become? Yeah. Uh, okay, so our options are, I'll spoil all my friends with amazing homemade food and cocktails. If someone doesn't throw the party for me, I'm going to be angry. One with lots of games and prizes that I plan to win, of course. An outdoor picnic somewhere beautiful. All right, so how are we doing this? Uh, I guess, should we run through once for each of us, or should we kind of collect... Or 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 do you want to? I'll ask the questions and and we'll determine what kind of ghost you're going to be. Who who wants to be the ghost? Hmm. I guess I'll be the ghost. Okay. Okay. So you're the ghost. You're so we'll we're answering for you here. Uh, um, your birth your perfect birthday party. Okay. Which is the one? The one like if someone doesn't throw it for me, it won't happen. Yeah. Uh, that one, because I, I don't I don't really care about my birthday, so, like, unless a party happens to me, yeah. I will not care. <laughs> okay, so if someone doesn't throw the party for me, I'm going to be angry. Oh, um, that, oh no, that's yeah, not, that's no, not I'm not right. angry. I'm like, please don't. Okay. Yeah. Um, Read me my options again. I'll spoil all my friends with amazing homemade food and cocktails. If someone doesn't throw the party for me, I'll be angry. One with lots of games and prizes. Then in brackets that I plan to win, of course, and then an outdoor picnic somewhere beautiful. I guess I'm going to pick the outdoor picnic as just like a process of elimination. Yeah, a picnic's just always nice, right? Like, yeah. That's, that's fun. Seems the lowest effort as well. Yeah. Uh, second question. What do you value most in life? And the options here are kindness, power, fun, and freedom. Wow. This is a, quite an escalation yeah. from the first question. <laughs> well, what birthday power? What birthday party 
would you throw what matters most? All right. Uh, kindness, I guess. Kindness. What kind of person are you least likely to be friends with? Nobody. Strangers are just friends I haven't met yet. Someone who gets in my way. Someone who is too serious. Someone who doesn't care for the environment. Really different choices. Yeah. I was going to do someone who gets in my way because I was picturing someone like <laughs> physically getting physically in the way a lot. In the way. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess, I guess if someone didn't care about the environment, then that probably has some overlap with some other stuff. Yeah. That, like we just aren't not a fellow traveler, you know? Yes. Okay. So I guess that one. Yeah. Ooh, here's a good one for you. I know I know you'll be very excited to answer this one. Yeah. <laughs> Which film genre do you most enjoy? Ooh, I love films. The film, the cinema. The short ones? <laughs> Is that an answer? <laughs> uh, um, family, drama, comedy, or documentary? Drama? I like drama. Yeah, drama's good. Okay, drama. Uh, what were you most known for in high school? <laughs> <laughs> Having a large, diverse group of friends, winning every debate, being the class clown, or constantly daydreaming? Um, honestly, like... Look, if I have to pick one of these, mm -hmm. it's probably winning every debate because Hell I just argued yeah. with people all the time. Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> winning every debate. Okay, are you ready to find out what kind of ghost you'll become? Yes. Okay, dun dun dun, drum roll. A vengeful spirit. That's fucking right. Fuck yeah. That's exactly correct. Badass. You won't be too <laughs> happy about being dead, and you'll want somebody to pay the price. Since you'll be a ghost, you won't actually have that much to do to the people you believe wronged you, so your anger will mostly man manifest as loud chain rattling and the occasional frightening message written on the wall in blood. This is because of the debate thing, huh? Yeah. You gotta let people know you're right. <laughs> yeah. I'm a ghost. I'm right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This wow. is badass. That's like this cool... is cr this is just right. Yeah, vengeful spirit. Hell, fucking yeah. Alrighty, uh, now it's your turn. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I will be the ghost. Um, so I guess I will. I will just go back and answer these honestly. Um. Uh. Why wouldn't it let me hold on? Okay, there we go. Uh, homemade food. Yeah. What do I value most in life? F power. Pa power. No. <laughs> I guess if I have to choose out of these very nebulous concepts, I guess I will say freedom? Uh, what kind of person are you least likely to be friends with? Someone who... I guess someone who is too serious, maybe? What film genre do I most enjoy out of these? It's... Also, drama, I would probably say. Like, these are very That makes vague. sense. Yeah, but, like, drama, drama's good. Drama's... I'm realizing why it thinks I'm vengeful now. <laughs> <laughs> and what was I most known for in high school? Definitely class clown, I have to admit. I will become a poltergeist, according to this. 
Wow. That's pretty fucking cool. You were all That's cool. You were always a bit of a practical joker, so you'll carry the spirit heh, to the afterlife as well. Switching televisions on and off, messing with lights, opening and closing cupboard doors, and sending objects flying across the room. These will be the ways you amuse your ghostly self. Just don't be surprised if the living don't find it quite as funny. Wow, we are going to be a menace. We're going to be a fucking menace awesome in the ghosts. The ghost podcast <laughs> is going to rock. That's right. Oh, fuck. The po- podcasting from beyond the grave, writing stuff in blood, knocking shit over. This sounds awesome. Yeah, hell yeah. Thank F- you, Black Milk. Thank you, Black Milk. Yeah, this is good as hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, remember how there were a bunch of really funny sounding quizzes? Um, yeah. That were like, what happens to you in the ki- serial killer's basement or whatever? <laughs> There's one more here that I'm kind of curious about if you want to do it. Um, okay, yeah, it was. So the other ones we did were uh, What Happens to You in the Coldest Clubhouse, which is amazing. And yep, then yep. there was one which is How Does Your Trip to the Carnival End? And it was just a picture of two asses on the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's a new one for another newer lookbook that I am I am obsessed with, which is What Happens to You in the Siren's Domain? Oh, let's find out. Let's find out. Surely nothing will ba- bad happen to us when we follow the sound of the sirens to their <laughs> domain. Wow, holy shit, this one is so much more in-depth. You are Damn. Sc- you are scuba diving around a brilliantly colored color- col- ugh, coral reef, looming far above some mysterious rock formations that look old as time. You've heard rumors that <laughs> divers who dared to go near these rocks have found caves and fissures leading to even greater depths. And in those dark waters, it is said that you can catch glimpses of architectural ruins, perhaps from an ancient civilization. You spot a beautiful translucent jellyfish and turn to watch it dance past. You can see the other jellyfish now, down beneath you towards the rocks. You are transfixed by their elegant movements until you some until you see something very strange that catches your attention. A woman's face peering out of a small crevasse in the rocks, with no breathing apparatus in sight. You are sure that you see her smile before she suddenly disappears. You've never dived as deep as these rocks before, but you can't help yourself. After checking that you have plenty of air in your tank, you propel yourself downward. It gets dark so quickly (laughs) as though you have left daytime for night. What happens next? Am I playing Baldur's Gate right now? (laughs) Yeah, you just found a quest. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Wow. Okay. So this is more of like a choose your own adventure. It looks like exciting. Um, you reach the spot where you thought the crevasse was, only to find what looks like a smooth, unbroken rock. You look closer and see a faint, curved line, almost like the arch of a closed door. At regular intervals around the line are what seem to be carved images on square blocks. One resembles a squid, one an angelfish, one a shark, and one a whale. Even if, even though it sounds silly, you get the sense that these are buttons of some sort. But which one do you press? This is intense. Yeah, this is like a Skyrim puzzle. Okay, so the, the options are the squid, the angelfish, the shark, or the whale. Uh, not a jellyfish, huh? Mm-mm. It's our only clue. Yeah. Angelfish? Because it's like an angel, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know what our goal is. Yeah, this is th- this. Yeah, this is much more nebulous than the last one. Mm-hmm. The angelfish. Okay. 
Right before your eyes, the rock seems to crack open and split along the arched line. Now there is a large opening. Beyond it, you can see strange lights and more rock formations. Only some of these formations resemble buildings. Cautiously, you swim forward and suddenly find yourself face to face with the woman who you saw peering out from the rocks. She has long flowing hair and sharp claw-like fingernails. Welcome to the home of the sirens, she says with a creepy (laughs) smile. How do you respond? Thanks. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The options are sirens? Cool. Uh, how can I hear you? Wait, how can you hear me? Um, you're going to eat me, aren't you? And then blah, 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 blah is the last one. <laughs> okay, we want to win at this game. Yeah. Um, so what were the first two again? Sirens? Cool. And how can I hear you? Wait, how can you hear me? Um, I like the second one. The second one feels like the most, like, siren story adjacent, right? Exactly, like, yeah. Like, you're playing along. I know what genre I'm in, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay. After she reassures you that she can indeed both speak and hear speech while you're in the siren's domain, she also tells you to feel free to remove your scuba equipment. It seems that you can breathe underwater here. That's a relief. The siren indicates that you should follow her, and you do. She takes you through a crumbling stone doorway and into a room where a dining table has been laid with plates and goblets. You have no idea how they aren't floating around everywhere. Please, have something to eat while you wait to meet our queen, the siren says silkily. We have many delicacies you can choose from. Which food do you choose to try? Seaweed cake, crab eyes, shell salad, it all looks terrible, so you decline, are the four options here. (laughs) I mean, I think what you gotta do what you always do in this situation, which is pick the salad. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, you eat something light. Yeah. Or is it I was picturing like a salad in a shell, but it probably oh, is a salad of shells. A salad right? made of shell. Yeah, seaweed I cake think, seems like Yeah. That's a safe bet. That's a safe bet. Seaweed cake. Like I I, I already like seaweed, you know. That sounds pretty good. It isn't long before a tall, luminous woman floats into the room carrying a shining golden scepter and wearing a magnificent jeweled crown on top of her hair. She is clearly the queen of the sirens. Hello, human, she says. It is time for us to (laughs) sing to you. What is your favorite kind of music? (laughs) I didn't know sirens took requests. Yeah. Uh, Your options are bubblegum pop, indie rock, heavy metal, or electronica. Holy shit. Oh, wow. Wow. I don't. I don't even know where to begin with this. I think this is your your question. Uh, what do I want to hear the sirens sing? Yeah. Bubblegum pop, indie rock, heavy metal, or electronica? Indie rock is a very funny answer. <laughs> you, do you know any Fleet Foxes? <laughs> um... I guess if I'm like in a in a chill mood hanging out below the sea and meeting like the queen of the sirens, I want to hear some like cuz like bubblegum pop they're going to be like harmonizing and stuff, right? That sounds pretty cool. Like yeah. heavy metal, you know, I love metal, but like, you know, they're they're going to be screaming uh electronica. I don't even know what part they're singing in that. Are they just going to be going like <laughs> boop 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 boop? boop, boop like. <laughs> uh bubblegum pop Sure. Sure. The sirens begin to sing. You've never heard anything quite like it. It's quite simply the most wonderful sound that has ever filled your ears. (laughs) 
you go into a kind of trance. When the song ends, you suddenly realize you are surrounded by more sirens. Dozens more, in fact. Their faces are solemn and some point tridents toward you. Others swim around you, perhaps menacingly. The queen floats above Lee. Surely you must realize, human, she says softly, that we cannot allow you to return to the surface. What do you say? Uh, after all that bubblegum pop, really? After all the really? bubblegum pop? Uh, number one, uh, the surface is overrated anyway. Uh, two, cool trident, can I have a closer look? Three, look over there. And four, but all my stuff is on the surface. I think- If we say it's overrated, like the surfaces, do we get to become sirens? Yeah. that'd be pretty cool. This seems like the obvious answer, surely. Like, cool trident, can I have a look? We're either gonna try and grab it, like we're reaching for the siren's service weapon and they're gonna- kill us yeah no that's not good uh uh look over there maybe they'll fall for that but like do i want to escape really this seems cool they're singing pop for me Mm -hmm. uh but all my stuff is on the surface a little conceited i think right i think it's got to be the surface is overrated yeah all right what happens to you in the sirens domain you stay (laughs) and join the sirens Hell yes! Fuck, yes! <laughs> yes! You realize there is no point in trying to fight all those scary-looking sirens, and besides, you, you've always liked being underwater. You never managed to improve your singing voice to their level, but you turn out to be great on the clam drums, and the sirens love the addition of a percussive background to their music. Wow. That's, a, that's lovely! How nice! I've, once again, thank you, Black Milk, for that nice little story. It's <laughs> just a nice little feel-good story. Is that the first time we've done one of these and, like, not died at the end or, like, turned into a... <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like a Cthulhu monster, like in that other one. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was such a letdown. We got arrested in the, like, the, the holiday heist one. We did, we did. Yeah. The <sighs> siren one went way better. We finally got a win. We joined the sirens. That sounds fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a very long but very fun episode. Um, yeah. But I think we should take it to the close. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon Huge. Thanks to them, as always, for letting us use that as our theme song. You can find them on Bandcamp, and you can find us at patreon.com slash streetcast. And Liz, what are we reading next week? Um, I actually, well, I did a lot of very loud typing so that I can actually <laughs> tell you this answer. <laughs> so let me see here. I am, um, do, 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 so I read the three Midnight Sun chapters. So, uh, next week, uh, we will both be reading a chapter called Confessions. In Twilight, it is chapter 13, and in Midnight Sun, it is chapter 17. Ah, oh, nice that we're synced again and you don't have to read three chapters. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, even with that little nugget of respite, please read another book. Please read another book. Makes ocean roll seem tame. Better know what you're after if you catch a eye. Because this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.